Doctor 3 Movie Podcast for the fate of the furious eighth movie in the series. I am Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Malinsky. Y'all could just refer to me as Shrinkage. And with our fate of the furious tagline, I'm looking forward to these, Kelly Wand. More like Corvette Bummer. Wait, that's for another movie. Uh, what? Uh, eight is enough. <laughs> That's a little dated. I don't know that people under 30 yeah, it, or probably under 40 would understand that one. Okay, therefore it's here. Remember, remember, because right. when we were talking about Betty Buckley and Split? No. Yeah, that, that would – you don't remember Betty Buckley and Split? Come on. I don't remember this. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. That well, was – I think that was where we were – we made enough eight is enough references, although I think – I don't – in that podcast to last us a lifetime. So Kelly Wand – I'm There's one 41-year-old somewhere out there going, yeah! Right. <laughs> Good work, Kelly! <laughs> All right, well, give for us our, our Facts of Life podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm the Blair. Um, I'm the witch. It's like <laughs> Tom's uh, Natalie. <laughs> I don't uh, even know who that is. I don't know who any of those people are. I understood Dingus's Blair Witch Project thing, but I don't know characters on Facts of Life. Thank you very much. That's a very Mrs. Garrett thing to say. Oh, that's facts of life. Okay, I do know what that show is. No, I like to pretend that she fucked Mr. Belvedere, and it was we weren't knowing it, and they didn't cover it on screen, but like behind the scenes, the butler and the. Uh, I don't okay, even back to the- yeah, back to yeah. Let's get back to the fate of the furious taglines. I'm, I'm looking. That's for- my rebuttal to only forty year olds understand what you're talking about. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll throw in a Belvedere to loop Tom into this. Uh, right. Yeah, go on. Back to the serious business, Tom. Right, yeah. Uh, it's like we gotta, red line. We got to market this thing, Kelly Wand. What's that mean? It's, it's not going to market itself. Oh. This movie. Wait, is that a line from the movie? That's something that <laughs> Vin Diesel would say. It's not going to market itself. It's me, people. Only family will market it. Oh. It's a game changer, though. Uh, oh, catchphrases. It's like red line, but dumb. <laughs> I feel like you're warming the engine up. I feel like it's like a cold day. We're sitting in the car. We're waiting on it to get going. You're right about the first part. Uh, it's like Boss Baby, but with bald characters. <laughs> okay. It's like Triple X if you had a bigger budget. Okay, good, good. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Just wait for the opsis, all right? <laughs> that could be a tagline, too. Just wait for the opsis, all right? Yeah. That's my favorite tagline so far for this one. <laughs> that is a good one, actually. <laughs> On the cynic poster. Uh, well, Kel- Kelly Wan, before we get into spoilers for this, because, you know, we wouldn't want to spoil things like a submarine busting up out of the ice behind a bunch of cars. Whoa. We don't want to spoil that. So, Dingus, what? without... Without spoiling anything, it's on What's the poster. From? It's on the stupid poster. I couldn't believe I'm 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 irked. Oh, that's on the poster. Yeah, it's on billboards all over town. Dingus, you drive more uh, than me. You but if you know see that. the poster, you go, oh, well, it could be a metaphorical submarine. I actually thought there would. Be, well, you know what? We'll talk about this in a minute. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I don't look at the billboards. I thought it was a Harrier jet. The billboards mm. are, are within a quarter mile, Dingus. Like a billboard is not elevated higher than a quarter mile. I meant a quarter mile Cuban mile. Uh, ah, very good. That's a, a measuring for three by three. Stick around, listeners. We'll be talking things like Cuban miles. Or Cuban mile. Three by three. Uh, so Kelly, or no, Dingus, what's your name? Uh, give us the basics without spoiling anything. Mark Twain, Cuban mile. 
All right, this week we saw The Fate of the Furious, oh, alternatively known as Fast uh-oh. and Furious 8. That and... I'm okay with. This title is insufferable. God. Well, yeah. it means nothing, too. There's no fate covered in it. Like, uh, yeah, there's yeah, they, there's dialogue. They, I don't know if you saw it in Jeremy Kelly no. Wand, but they, they give the, di- they, the dialogue gives it some lip service. But fate yeah. implies it's the last one, and then by the end I'm like, yeah, all right. Should be the last one. Do you think Whoa! the fate oh, is the all end? Right. Yeah, it, it, imply it. it does imply it's like this is where they end up. Uh, Fate. All right. The alternative oh, yes. being known as Fast and Furious 8 and Fast 8 and often stylized as 8. We didn't organize these, the first title. <laughs> I, I just cut that. It's very good. I like that one. Eight. And then like the number eight, like F and then an eight. Yes. Oh, cool. I like that. That should be on the poster instead of the submarine coming up behind all the cars. But then look what uh, it looks like it spells. So The Fate and the Furious is a 2017 American action crime thriller sequel franchise movie about doms and subs. It was... Oh, that's good. Dingus. Dingus. Get it? See? Dingus yeah, that's how you do a catchphrase. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was directed by F. Gary Gray and written by Chris Morgan based on characters created by Gary Scott Thompson. I prefer it stars you almost. To your information. What'd you say? I prefer when you joke to your information. Okay, go on. That's my review <laughs> of those people's names. <laughs> it, it stars almost everybody from the other movies. Um, the Fate of the Furious is rated PG 13. Huh? <laughs> For prolonged sequences of violence and destruction. Mm hmm. <laughs> Suggestive content mm-hmm. and what language. No smoking, fortunately. Nobody smoked in this movie. I'm happy to report. Nope. They're not that furious. No children had to be exposed to smoking. No. Bring your babies because the baby's in it. And the baby. <laughs> Somebody did bring the baby to the baby. Yeah. Really? Not yep. surprising. Did Dom uh, get in a fight with it? I yelled, bring the baby outside. And the whole theater cheered. Again, it always happens everywhere I go. And then they went outside. <laughs> I actually barely heard the baby. I, I, I knew about the baby more from Dingus. I think Dingus actually vocalized when the baby struck her. And Dingus went, really? <laughs> Did I get that right, Dingus? I, I do I believe that's the baby's first movie. No, that's Sorry. a good quote. That's a, that's a solid quote. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, all right, so Dingus, uh, it's rated PG-13 for those reasons. Kelly Wan, do you feel that there should be other things parents who are considering bringing their children to this movie should know about beyond the ones Dingus mentioned? Uh, I noticed some very uh, adult themes in it, including Helen Mirren is a Jack the Ripper prostitute. Uh, some scenes of men screaming, "Woo!" <laughs> Mostly Tyrese. So that not as adult, I guess. And reaction shots of infants witnessing multiple murders and gunshots to the face. <laughs> but he seemed fine. He turned out okay. Well, the jury's out. He we got don't know. We'll, That's we'll true. Find out. We'll we don't know the fate place. of that Furious. That's true, yeah. <laughs> the fate of the Furious opened with $100 million over the weekend, which is, which is pretty nice. It's kind of what they expected. It's not as big as... Uh, seven. I think seven. I think seven opened with more. Seven. Seven open with 147 in this. Yeah, yeah. 
But but here's the story with this one, and actually this is not insignificant. Brad Brevett brings this up on Box Office Mojo. Uh, there's a nice little write-up in the New York Times about this. Um, it had a huge, just it not to be underestimated, international opening. Yeah. Uh, it opened. It opened in so many countries. It did so well. This is this is officially a global franchise now. Right. In a way that other, it even beat Force Awakening in, in terms of its opening weekend. Uh, and I think it's significant too that the the opening audience cinema score also polls uh, ethnicity uh, and age and, and gender and that sort of thing. The opening audience for this movie is estimated at, and I presume they're extrapolating to the entire uh, U.S. Uh, is basically half of the people in the audience were minorities. Uh, it breaks down to 26% Hispanic, 19% African-American, and 11% Asian audiences. So I, I think one of the beautiful things about this Universal franchise uh, is that it's global and it is multi-ethnic in a way that a lot of other franchises aren't. And I, yeah. I really admire yeah. that. Um, do you think that Justin Lin has something to do with that? Well, it's also worth noting, Dingus, I think this has been directed by minorities all along. John Singleton, yeah. Justin Lin, James yeah. Wan, uh, F. Gary They Gray. belong to the world. Yeah, and I, I really admire that about it. And I'm glad to see that it is it is financially lucrative for Universal. Uh, you know, Jurassic Park, that makes a million dollars, and I just kind of roll my eyes, and I'm like, yeah, kids love dinosaurs. This makes $100 million, <laughs> and and I'm I'm kind of moved by that. I'm very glad. I mean, the $100 million isn't the story. It's, for instance, the largest opening weekend for any movie ever in China. This broke all records yeah. in China. Well, see, one, of the produce, one of the production companies, did you mention this already? Um, one of the early production credits was a Chinese production company. Oh, I can't that, remember what it's called. I, that is funny because I see that all the time now. I just watched yeah. uh, uh, Edge of 17, this Haley Steinfeld movie, which Kelly Wan, get on the stick and see that. You too, Dingus. Uh, and it opens with a credit for a Chinese movie. There's Chinese money all over movies these days. Uh, and but this was actually <laughs> called like Chinese production company. I mean it was something that, that was that. This is – I mean it, it was called like – I can't remember what the actual name was, but it was one of the top three of the production companies. Right, right, uh, and, right. and it, it's huge in China. It's it's huge all over the world. Huge so, in China. Uh, let's see how it's doing critically. <laughs> Metacritic, the average rating among various uh, reviews, it's at 56. Ugh. On Rotten Tomatoes, 64 percent of the reviews are positive, only 64. 36 percent of the reviews are like, Neh, no, yeah. <laughs> Let's check in with CinemaScore. Idiots, idiots are really into this movie. They're like, yeah, hey, yeah. Finally something for us. Yeah. We're represented. <laughs> Finally something for us. <laughs> No longer will we bear your oppression, smart people. <laughs> no longer will we settle for Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, it. Kelly Wan, that's enough math uh, and letters. Let's now get to the synopsis of uh, – what are you going to call a synopsis of the fate of the Furious? <laughs> you find out during it. Awesome. Great. Just like in the movie, the title credit. Yeah, I've watched a little of the movie. Okay, so Kelly Wan, whatever this is called, take it away. Although in movie, when you go and see it in the movie and that happens, I try to picture one guy going, wait, what is this? <laughs> like after the street race. Like, wait, fuck, I thought this was Get Out. Ah, honey. <laughs> what, what city are we in? Oh, there it is in the water. Yeah. Um, all right. But Tom, if you wanted to call it something, like just so we – there's a proper beginning. The Phaedopsis? I don't know. 
I, you know, the, this movie's title is terrible. I can't imagine that the title of the synopsis isn't terrible also. Oh, let's <laughs> see about that. We'll see how much terrible there is, won't we? Rush job. Some words in the ocean are all Havana, Cuba. A boat, <laughs> a boat crashes into the H and explodes. Ben and Michelle Rodriguez walk around a street till they find a Cuban guy opening his car hood. Ben's all, hey, look, he put a ship's engine in his car. Michelle Rodriguez laughs. What an idiot. She's all, wait, what's in his boat then? The Cuban smile falls. He's all, oh, shit. Behind them in the harbor, a catamaran starts sinking. A hot girl walks up while music plays and goes, Vin, you have a cousin in this. I think you're part Cuban. He's in trouble. Vin smirks in slow motion, then drives a couple of feet down the road in his beloved red car. A guy with a beard is hassling Vin's black cousin, who also has a beard. The bad-bearded characters all, pay me that drug money, essay, or I'll stop dating your sister. Vin walks up to him, <laughs> sneaks and goes, gonna or would you? The crowd's all, ooh. <laughs> Let's settle this like grown-ups with a street race. A bearded girl's all, Vin, he has the fastest car on the island. Scientists concur. Michelle Rodriguez is all, hey, I think I have amnesia again. The drug dealer's all, shut up, bitch. <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez is all, oh, 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 you just told the toughest girl character in movies to shut up? Ben, handle this fight for me. <laughs> okay, bearded character, you win, you get my car. Ooh. And I have to use the slowest car on the island. I win, you get my car. I mean, wait, the guy drives past him revving his engine. <laughs> okay, don't know who you are. Didn't see the last seven movies of the news. Market set go, race just started, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Eisenberg? <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez is all, hey, look what I can do. She takes the ring tab off her coat can and ties it to Vin's radiator hose. All, I called the Clarence Thomas. He sneers. Same old Jordana. I mean, hang on. Uh, I got to make this car faster. He walks over to a tireless 1920s jalopy on cinder blocks that belongs to someone irrelevant and tears out the seats, rips off the fenders, then saws off the doors of the driver's seatbelt. Michelle Rodriguez is all, um, if you're trying to make it lighter, maybe lose the crucifix? He's all, family, and drives off, flipping off the crowd. <laughs> they all cheer as he drives by. The funny-looking one's all, El Toretto está muy pollo loco. A few feet into the race, the drug lord hits a button on his dashboard. This makes someone from the crowd hurl a motorcycle into Vin's car, causing Vin to honk angrily. Then he's all, no sidecar? This is too easy. Suddenly he realizes his car is going 10 miles an hour. Rodriguez shouts, Vin, hit that button for the Coke can ring tab. I tied you a jumper cable. Who's that? Oh, yeah. Here goes family. He hits the button that activates the Coke tab. His engine explodes and catches fire. The crowd cheers, including some firemen. Finn tricks the flames by driving in reverse. <laughs> like Paul Walker did in the second one. It makes the flames continue burning. Both cars decelerate and pass over the finish line in slow motion. 
Although it's pretty close, both drivers and the crowd can tell instantly from the overhead shot that Finn's the winner. The crowd cheers excitedly in normal motion and walks on Moss out into the path of Finn's burning out of control car. He's all, get out of the way, you idiots, and jumps out of his car into some cactus. His car smashes through some pilings and a couple surprised fishermen in slow motion. Looks like it's going to blow up, then does it, and just lands lamely in the water off screen. There's no music. <laughs> Beside me, screenwriter Chris Morgan stands up and raises his hand for a high five. <laughs> Nailed it! As Vin stands up and brushes dust onto his biceps, the crowd senses that murder and gunfire are imminent, so they tightly surround Vin and the drug dealer, hoping to catch a stray bullet. The drug lord <laughs> sighs, hands Vin his unicorn keychain, and goes, Okay, I say, I guess you're the new president of Cuba, and also of my respect. Vin's all. The presidency's all I ever wanted. Here. He tosses the drug dealer the keys to his beloved red car. The drug lord's all. Wait, what? But you won. Vin's Cuban cousins all. Oh, what about me, bro? I'm family. Can I be in the movie? We're more related than you and Statham. Vin's all. Uh, I guess you can have the car I just drove in the race. They all watch its fiery wreckage sink into the ocean. A CG hubcap falls over in bullet time. A spurt of oil lands on it. We hear a turn signal. Then some muffler exhaust spells out. Phapsis of the Furpsis. Wow. <laughs> That couldn't have come earlier, Tom. It had to be then. <laughs> a tow truck carts the words away, and the audience is sentenced to traffic school. We cut to a close-up of Dwayne Johnson's face, or as Tom calls it, heaven. He's all. <laughs> He's all. Okay, listen up, Doom Squadron Epsilon. I've pissed more quip and banged more blood and drunk more ass than all you numbnuts put together. Now, I don't want to take long showers with you assholes and get my head shot off in some faraway land because you don't hobble comprende, so you're going to start acting like Marines right now. Fuck nuts, I'm here to tell you that life as you know it has ended. Rub your pathetic little peckers against your honeys or stick it in a knot hole in the fence, but whatever it is, get rid of it. Because when that whistle blows, your asses are mine. We cut to see he's talking to a girls' soccer team. Screenwriter Chris Morgan leans over to me and goes, see, it's like in the beginning of Fast 7 when Paul Walker was in close-up and he looked like he was about to street race for some reason, but then the camera goes wide and you see he's buying diapers. Only this time it's a different actor, see? I go, yeah, thank God there's no babies in this one. Dwayne Johnson starts squatting and goes, come on, both teams, chant after me. Ooh, mama, ooh, ma, ooh, mama, ooh, ma. Oh, wa, ta, gu, siam, wada. Moana. Okay, now make sure you're all wearing your cups and get out there. Kurt Russell in a suit walks up to him. He's all, hey, we need you to blow stuff off screen in Berlin. But if your team's a bunch of idiots and fuck shit up, we'll have to send just you to prison. The same one that mass murder Jason Statham's in. The law is pretty specific on all this. And just <laughs> FYI, our new president's no fan of loose cannons who go around blowing shit up in other countries. <laughs> Rock's all, sorry, Kurt, I'm a father now. And the Red Dragons are about to clinch the title here against the Fat Kids. Uh, you were a father in the last three. Okay, I'm in. But you have to pretend you want my daughter to win this soccer game for a couple seconds. Her potentially dying in a nuclear war if I don't accept your mission means way less to me than that. Uh, go one of those ten-year-olds. 
The actress playing Dwayne's daughter eventually finds the soccer ball and scores an obviously CG goal. All the extras <laughs> scramble to stay out of her way. <laughs> Dwayne's all. Now that's what I call Daddy's Little Johnson. Meanwhile, in Cuba, Charlize Theron's bending over her car with the hood up. Across the street, Ben smirks. Blonde. Looks like someone's about to use a role for wandering monsters. He cracks his nutsack, sprays his eye with Naka, sashays over to her and goes, <clears throat> Looks like someone lost a role for wandering monsters. <laughs> Came up with that across the street a few seconds ago. Need a little help? She's all, yeah. She stands aside as he reaches into her hood, starts whipping out cables and burning his arms. She's all, so what brings you to Cuba? Same as most people. The kangaroos, the skiing, schnitzel, language barrier, apartheid. Also, my witch hunter D&D character's Haitian. Uh, you mean which doctor? He shrugs. Whichever one you want. He slams the hood on her purse and his shirt tail and goes, I think I see the trouble here. Your front tire's missing. She holds up the tire and goes, I know. And you're going to help me steal a nuclear sub or something terrible will happen to this. She raises her phone screen to his face. He's all, shit, what's a Samsung? Guess it better help. <laughs> that hideous baby on your desktop there, though. Meanwhile, in a room filled with Map CG and Kurt Russell, Ben <laughs> the Rock, Tyrese, Michelle Rodriguez, Ludacris, and the hot black lady from Game of Thrones all simultaneously enter from different doors and music plays. <laughs> Scott Eastwood walks on screen. <laughs> I know, it's scary. It's that moment. Iconic. He's all, don't worry, audience. I'll be handling the Paul Walker stuff through Ep 14. Just pretend I'm handsomer. I think I played a douchebag in Snowden. Might be getting myself mixed up with Scott Kahn. He straightens his tie. Tyree snickers and pretends he owns a tie. Kurt Russell's all. If there aren't any questions, a guy in a forklift pulls up with an orange Lamborghini in its claws. <laughs> Tyrese is all. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. My guy's name in this is number 11. <laughs> Ludacris is all. The International Space Station will see that coming. Another forklift pulls up at the International Space Station. Everybody points and laughs affectionately at the Lamborghini. Finn's all. Oh! I really feel like we got a shot at best picture this time. <laughs> the rocks all. If you candy asses are done, you ready to close your eyes on World War III or saddle up and save the entire damn world? They all ponder the question in slow motion. We cut to a bunch of cars driving away from some explosions at night. Some letters drawing straws at a life raft are all. Berlin, Germany. In the passenger seat of Wilkinson's car, the hot black girl's all. We did it! We stole nuclear launch codes from the Nazis. The war is almost over. <laughs> Ludacris raises a remote control and goes, or as my character likes to always say, time for phase two. He hits a button. A wrecking ball connected to something off screen swings down and smashes through all the bad guys' cars. In his car, Tyrese is all, whatever happened to phase six? Woo! <laughs> One of the Germans in the cars is all, guys, I had a thought here. Maybe try moving out of the way of the wrecking ball. It's coming from in front of us. Hello? 
Tyrese waits for the wrecking ball to reach its apogee, then goes, and... Hey, Ludacris, you idiot, you missed a few. Ludacris is all, oh, yeah? Watch this. He doesn't do anything. The bad guy in one of the cars is all, okay, good work, people, avoiding the wrecking ball and its upswing. Pretty sure, based on how gravity works, it's gone forever now, so let's all just get back. It's like, middle of the road there, good. Yeah, the vector work just swung through. Use that as a reference point. <laughs> Gary, no need to check your rear. Settle down, bud. Rascal. Cool, that's it, yes. Nice straight line, bumper to bumper, sweet. Okay, now getting back to the people we're chasing. I don't have any ideas on pursuit tech. <laughs> An old woman with an MPAA badge on her bra leads over to me and goes, See, there's no red on the visible part of the wrecking ball. Twelve-year-olds, welcome. She lights a cigarette. Suddenly, Vince all, By the way, I'm a traitor. He hangs a right and drives off to a waiting airplane. <laughs> As Michelle Rodriguez watches with her usual expression, Ben starts mechanically making out with Charlize Theron while the plane takes off. Then he gravely takes off his crucifix and hangs it over the camera lens so we can see. Rodriguez is all, I never thought I'd see him make that face with another woman in the shot. The rock's all, damn it, Diesel's gone rogue. I should have known something was up from his lack of interest in the role. Everybody else drives off and leaves the rock to get arrested. The Rock has to stand in a long single file line to get into the prison. It's a popular one. <laughs> Kurt Russell walks up to the line and goes, Hey, forgot to mention this before or during your entire court trial. Instead of going to prison, you could just come work for me. <laughs> the Rock's all, No thanks, Kurt. My character prefers to have faith in the legal system. Scott Eastwood's all, Daughter, the Rock breaks his manacles and starts strangling him while the armed guards nearby yawn. <laughs> Kurt Russell apologizes to The Rock until everybody leaves. For fun, they put The Rock in a cell right next to Statham's. While The Rock exercises, pulling a concrete bench out of his wall and doing pull-ups with it using his dick. Statham's all, you call that concrete? The Rock's all, let me tell you something. Me and you, one-on-one, no one else around. I will eat you like a Kansas piggy's corn. Maybe one day the plot will call for that. Better hope that day never comes. Suddenly, an alarm goes off and their cell doors slide open. But instead of fighting, Statham forgets what he just said and runs away giggling while all the guards ignore him and start shooting the rock with rubber bullets. <laughs> he tricks them by beating them with their steel guns. The prison riot ends inconclusively with Statham getting promoted to warden and the rock getting his neck caught under the concrete bench, which turns out to be heavier than he thought. <laughs> Kurt Russell suddenly walks in and goes, I-, I can't remember why I came here. So from now on, you two are partners. <laughs> Statham's all, Christ, how contrived. The rock's all, sir, with all due respect. He tries to wrestle free from the concrete bench and gets his foot stuck under another bench. Kurt Russell's all, look, if someone who's done as much damage to other countries as Vin Diesel can be turned to the dark side, we need to stick with people whose loyalty is beyond question. Statham's all, I'm a mass murderer who blew up an FBI office, and me brother tried to destroy the world with a tank in number six. Kurt Russell's all, okay, you're both in. Uh, wait, we had British villains for two consecutive movies? Jeez. Anyway, you now take orders only from each other. Good luck. Statham sneers at the rock and goes, I think those bra straps are cutting off the circulation to your brain. The rock's all. This movie's over. We're going to very memorably resolve our differences. Get ready, audience. 
Meanwhile, in a headset room on her invisible plane, Charlize is all, oh, damn it. Simultaneously hacking 5 million cars and launching submarine nukes is no problem, but all my cameras on Vin Diesel are on the wrong side of that hoodie raise five minutes ago. <laughs> Her version of Scott Eastwood's all, uh, Mr. Theron, why don't you just hack Vin's car right now and just put it in reverse and back it up a couple feet? So you can see. <laughs> She's like, trying to think. Ben walks into a strip club. Helen Mirren sitting in a booth wearing a feather boa and a teacup on her head with a price tag on it. She's all, hello, governor, care for a sport of nippers. <laughs> Ben's all, it's pronounced diesel. Here. He slides a garage door opener across the door. She's all, oh, I smell mischief in the air. In the headset room, Charlize is all, Wait, I forgot. I could just open this window here and look out it across the street where Vin's parked. <sighs> Hang on. So, suddenly on the monitor screen, Vin closes the hood and holds up the garage door opener so Charlize can see it. I guess he got it back. Charlize is all. Okay. Vin and Charlize get on a plane with a glass cage in it containing the blonde Mexican lady he dumped for Michelle Rodriguez. The blonde lady <laughs> holds up a baby and goes, this is your son. He's almost three months old. Vin's all, wait, what? You and I broke up four years ago in part six, and that takes place before Tokyo Drift, even. <laughs> what? Where? Who's the? What happened to Charlie's hands him a gun. He's all, oh, big mistake. He points it through the bars at the Mexican lady. Charlie's all, um, yeah, that's not what. He blinks, makes his usual expression, then lowers the gun to the baby and looks at her. Sure. Uh, no, um, <laughs> what a disaster. Meanwhile, some giant letters polluting Hudson Bay spell out New York City. In a computer room, Charlize is all, all right, time to do the next phase of my plan to acquire a nuclear sub from Antarctica. She slaps a nearby tech on the head. He hits keys. We hear modem sounds. Then all the cars in New York City come to life and start attacking <laughs> and driving through the streets in CG waves. After a while, though, Charlize's army of packed cars isn't doing anything. So Vin drives on screen and waits at a red light in slow motion. The Rock, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese, and Ludacris all shoot harpoons into Vin's car and start twirling around him in their cars till Vin gets bored and his car and walks off. The Rock's all, shit! Guys, how do we stop spinning? In his forklift, Tyrese saw, Woo! Number 11, come through, baby! <laughs> Meanwhile, in accordance with the grand plan, Statham runs out and goes, Finn, wait, it's me, your dearest friend. I mean, the man killed your dearest Asian friend. Finn shoots him six times, starts to walk away, then goes, I had an Asian friend. He waits there on the sidewalk till Michelle Rodriguez shows up. <laughs> She's all, Finn, wait, I know you love me at least as much as Statham, so... Finn turns away, starts making out with Charlie, smirks at Rodriguez, and leaves. Michelle Rodriguez, it's all, hmm. That's something you'd do if there was a baby in a cage. Later on the plane where Charlize Theron lives, Charlize walks angrily into the glass-walled cage room and goes, all right, Finn, I'm upset with you for shooting Jason Statham, so now I'm going to shoot your ex-wife. What the fuck? You just shot her. Thanks <laughs> down at the smoking gun. So, uh, I had a note on my hand here. Shoot blonde Caucasian woman from Fury Road, not in cage holding baby. Oh. <laughs> Charlie, me, you idiot, not the mother of your child. Oh, 
I guess that was my choice to make. <laughs> oh, no. oh, no. Oh, no. Just give me the gun. Idiot. Her version of Scott Eastwood comes in and goes, uh, Ms. Theron, hey, um, yeah, we're chasing the other Fast and Furious characters across some ice with a submarine. Um, also, the hot black girl's hacking your laptop right now for some reason. <laughs> in Ludacris's passenger seat, the hot black girl's all, damn, she's fake typing faster than me. This must be very suspenseful to watch. <laughs> Driving the forklift carrying the orange Lamborghini, Tyrese is all, woo, watch this. He crashes. Some guys on jet skis start shooting automatic weapons at him. So he tricks them by taking off the Lamborghini's car door and using it as a shield. <laughs> Genius. A bad guy on jet skis is all, aim for the window, you idiots. He didn't even roll it up. <laughs> his friend turns off his headset and goes, sir, Gary on the submarine says that... Um, he shot a torpedo at the rocks uh, tractor that he's driving. I guess the tractor. Well, I'm listening. One second. Guys, when he sticks his head out from the door and goes woo at you, try shooting at the head then? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So where was it? Oh, yeah. Okay. So torpedo uh, went under the ice the way it's supposed to, but then it came up on top of the ice. And instead of hitting the rocks car like we aimed it at, for some reason, just kept on going alongside the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, the torp ice glitch. <sighs> Gavin says he's got a pick-around prototype, but it'll only work in summer. Okay, fun. Yeah, okay, so someone else is in the car with him. I think it's Tyrese. What? Guys, seriously? Ugh. All right, sorry, go on. Yeah, okay, so then he had Tyrese take the wheel. Yeah, right, yeah. So then Brock reached out. And, like, he picked up the torpedo with his hand. Just one hand. Here, let me diagram it. No. No, I get it. And that had set it off? What the fuck? No, I know. It's what Charlotte said. So then he threw it one-handed backwards at our cars. And he totally missed all of them. We think he might be nearsighted. All our vehicles exploded, and the edge of the fireball is about to engulf us. Damn. A bunch of stuff involving a submarine happens. In her car, Michelle Rodriguez is all, Fuck. That was the last of I CG. Now what? The rocks nothing. Then pray for a miracle. Instead, unfortunately, the diesel appears. As he drives in slow motion over the roofs of a row of enemy cars and tanks, they each explode one by one. In the background, an Eskimo cheers and holds up a sign that says, Hollywood, go home. My wife's trying to sleep. <laughs> okay. Kelly? On her plane... Charlize rips off a headset and goes, Damn it, Diesel! You just killed your son. He was in one of those cars. Vince all, Look behind you right now. You get ready to have your mind blown. She whirls. Statham tears off his Statham mask and goes, That's right, I'm still alive! <laughs> Charlize is all, I don't care how? Statham smiles. So the camera cuts to a flashback of him being put into an ambulance by the two retarded Portuguese-Brazilian guys from five who blew up the toilets. They smile and wave at us in the middle of their mission. In Portuguese, that's right, our characters became paramedics. The other one looks at Statham and goes, isn't he still dead, though, from the bullets? Charlize is all, damn, I thought we treated those guys. <sighs> Statham puts some earmuffs on the baby. Here, you probably won't want to hear any more of this dialogue. Statham reaccommodates Charlize's goons. 
then turns to Charlize at the open plane door and waits for her to trick him. She's all, guess what, Statham? I know something you don't. Only one of us has a parachute. She jumps out of the plane. Statham sighs, tightens the straps on the parachute he's wearing, and jumps out. But forgets the baby. The baby lands the plane on top of the submarine, while Ben and Michelle Rodriguez kiss, and Kurt Russell walks on screen with Scott Eastwood, and just stands there. To celebrate the temporary uncertainty over Charlize Theron's current whereabouts, the gang lock themselves out on the roof of the skyscraper to start <laughs> barbecue. <laughs> Charlize and Ludacris fight over the seat beside the hot black lady. Ludacris looks at her and goes, I thought it was already established we would date. Tyrese is all, yeah, but I'm also black. Woo! <laughs> she smiles fondly at either of them and goes, tell me this. What's my character's name on Game of Thrones? <laughs> Ludacris. Uh, Joffrey? Tyrese. <laughs> Zoe Saldana. She's all, well, once one of you bothers to Google it, I'll have sex with both of you. She walks off. They stare blankly at each other, then sigh. Too hard. Vin makes them all sit down with him at a table while a flock of angry birds attacks the bread rolls. He's all, listen, I know I always say something every meal about family. Kurt Russell's all, I'm just honored that you invited me to this instead of your own sister, Paul Walker's CG brothers. Statham's all, and I'm glad you guys no longer give a shit that I killed Han. His brother's all, or that I killed Wonder Woman in part six. Pass the Vegemite. They all laugh and start eating. Someone throws a baby on Vin's lap. He's all, oh, yeah. You know what? Uh, whatever his dead mom had in mind, I'm going to name him after someone still alive that I didn't feel like having at this event. Grind. <laughs> what? Whole family's here. Everyone I care about. Except Brock. Baby. Paul Walker's here. And my sister. So that's his middle name. And now I'll say Grace. The camera instantly loses interest and flies away over the rooftops. Over the closing credit hip-hop, Vin's voiceover is all, uh, God, thank you for letting me say family in so many car movies, and for my range, and that critical hit I rolled Friday night against that Githyanki bard. Some words tell me who did all the male co-stars' hair. At the end, there's an awesome where the Universal logo comes up and the curtains swish closed over the movie screen. The end. Thank you, Kelly Wan. <sighs> Dingus, you're... Uh, sorry, what's that? I don't know. I was just saying the name of the movie for no reason. Fate and Furious, right. Dingus, Fate. you're up first. What'd you, what's an over and under? Uh, and what do you think of this thing? All right, my under is the movie Red, mainly because Helen Mirren made me think of Red. Um, my over is a movie called Serenity uh, because I love the ragtag group of people who are assembled to make that uh, any mission that they're going to do happen and how uh, the leader of that ship, I'm not sure what his name might be, um, gets them all together for their mission. Uh, it's not closely bracketed, I'm afraid, Tom, uh, but uh, I fucking love this movie. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly. Uh-oh. I fucking love this movie. Kelly, yeah, yeah, that would be over. I smell a dread be, in the mix. That might be a record, Kelly Wan, for how long for a zero to F-bomb for Dingus, by the way. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is Fate the Furious, so he's got That's F's true. on the brain. That's true. 
Uh, uh, all right, Kelly, what's an over and under for you? It sounds like you might take issue with uh, Dingus's assessment. I don't know, because it is pretty fun, and it's pretty stupid, and it was really fun-baked. Um, mm. But I think maybe my standards are a little high for the franchise. And I know you hate Fast Five, Tom, but that's my I, favorite one. Right? I've broken up with the franchise. That's where yeah, I that's Tom what is, going yeah, in. Tom has made it very clear that he, that he broke up with the franchise. Yeah. Tom threw her out of bed and she landed in mine, basically. Because right. five is where I went, hey, now I get it. They're, they know it's dumb. Um, and I like two and I like seven. And I, but I love five. And I think, and I haven't seen four. But um, I think this one's less good than seven. And uh, I really was puzzled. In seven, we I cut a lot of a lot of slack because the they had such an, a quandary with Paul Walker. But I really missed Paul Walker in this movie. I think he brought something that is now can't be replaced. And I think without him, you have Vin, you have The Rock, and you have Statham, and they're all pretty similar. They're all bald and muscly types. And Paul Walker was this loner, surfer, frat boy, dork in sneakers who'd sort of blundered into the street world by being the worst cop ever. And it kind of felt like Godfather 3, like without Robert Duvall. And it's just like, I don't know. I kind of want these to go away. Like, I don't hate this one, but I don't think they should keep going. And I hated that Charlize lives. I think it's retarded that they fucking team up with Statham and his brother. It's completely not justified. <laughs> And the way they refer to Paul Walker, I don't think makes any sense. Like in the seventh one, it made more sense than what they do in this, which is that he would just not have any role in what's going on. Like it just doesn't make sense to me for the story. And my under is uh, Smoking the Bandit 3. Oh, ouch. Ooh, wow. wow. Wait, what was your over? Fast five. Fast five, right, right. It's high. It's absolute best and absolute lowest car movies, mm-hmm. I guess. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't. I didn't bracket this at all. What I'm going to do is give you a best case and a worst case scenario of this kind of movie, which is an ensemble over-the-top action movie. Uh, It's interesting. I love that Dingus mentioned Serenity because my over, I think, is a perfect example of this kind of thing, ensemble over-the-top action that relies on the interactivity of the ensemble and these great big action set pieces. Uh, My over is The Avengers for how Joss Whedon, you're right, Dingus, he knows how to do this sort of thing. And one of these days, I'm going to see those uh, Firefly TV show things. Uh, My under is the expendables which relies so heavily on this nostalgia for 80s action which i think is dated and irrelevant these days uh these guys are relics in the expendables movies i don't think that they work you know when you're when you're relying on chuck norris jokes just throw in the towel so it's like a grandma yeah yeah the expendables are the the under uh just Again, not bracketed, just bottom how bad this can get, top how good this can get. Uh, and I've, I loved this. I am back in with uh, the, the franchise. Uh, I, I was just so thrilled with how much fun it was. Like, I don't think there was any real craft in the direction. Um, and I don't even think it needed it just because it just relied on dumbness and outrageousness and what, what sort of little charisma they could get going with the cast. I, I do, however – share what Kelly Wan said. I think the franchise is absolutely diminished without Paul Walker. We, yeah. it, his pretty boy charm just softened it so much and it brought a, a, a vital ingredient to it that is sorely missed. And now it's just a bunch of bald-headed, roided-up dudes with token women. Uh, and yeah. so I would have liked this much more if I had cared about the characters, if the writing, the, the dialogue, I should say, just as far as an overall story, it's outrageously dumb. I 
I admire that part of the writing, but the dialogue in this is just really bad. Uh, and I also think the cast is not that great. Um, so I would have liked this a lot more than I did, and I really liked it. Uh, if Walker had still been a part of it, and if the cast didn't feel so flat to me. Because you know what? Without Walker had this look in his eye, and he, he I mean, I, I think, I don't know. He always looked like he kind of thought it was ridiculous that, we, that these movies were that popular like he just seemed to know it and he he kind of acted like it wasn't really happening and the diesel takes them really seriously yeah so without yeah. paul walker evening that out and going it's fast and furious eight here we are it's just what? been going it's fast and furious eight and it's yeah it it's he's trying too hard and it's hard to well, the difference and that's between a, them is that paul walker brings spark i mean he yeah he did it's spark and the others are burning there are, yeah. There's there's various levels of burning. There's slow burn. There's engine burn. There's a various lo, there's there's various levels of flame. But Paul Walker brought a spark. I mean that I'll moment where he away. says, "Dude, dude, I almost had you." Yeah. I mean in that first movie, that is everything you need to know about him. No matter what goes on with the arc of his character over the course of the movies, and there's a lot that goes on. But the spark he brings, even if it's a dumb spark, I mean it's. It was just, just something undeniably uh, enthusiastic about him, and like a, like a puppy dog, and you really do need that. I agree with you guys on that. And they try to spread the goofy over over everybody else. I mean, there's there 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 are these great <laughs> moments where they where you know, like where the Rock and uh, and Jason Statham laugh at each other. I mean, there are the moments where they're spreading the goofy around. It's not the but same. I know. It's not the same. You're right. Well, it's, it's not, not, not only is it not the same. Not only is it not the same, but it makes the characters pretty indistinguishable. Uh, it yeah. used to be that Tyrese was the comic relief with uh, The Rock having his own thing. But right. but those bits with uh, Jason Statham and The Rock insulting each other, those were hilariously goofy. Uh, yeah. And I would say that the single most no human – Well, I, the payoff, I would say the single most human moment in this movie was when The Rock gives him that. I'm going to punch you in the teeth so hard you're going to have to – brush your teeth in your butt that and they laugh at each other about how dumb yeah. the line is that was this great authentic <laughs> moment that was lacking for the rest of the movie where they're just sort of where it's just in service of of dumb dialogue get to the next action sequence yeah uh look like dingus is saying look at whatever suitable level of burning you're supposed to be doing or do your joke in this given moment uh so yeah like i i i, I spreading the goofy around i don't think necessarily helped it uh, and I, I think just kind of muddied it a bit. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys then, because I actually do think it's a really great, stupid movie. Like it's really fun, and I, I was never bored, never and, bored. And as a, it does some really clever things that I have not seen before, and that's rare. And I appreciate that in an action movie. Uh, and I think it really is in tune with the dumb power fantasy. That drives a lot of video games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're uh, there's, right. uh, there's the driving level, the shooting level. You've got the ice track. You charge up the EMP power up. There's the boss battle against the submarine. Uh, and it's just in service of getting to these sequences, getting to these sequences. Uh, and and it's it's paced like a video game. Like, just get to the sequence. Okay, quick cutscene for talking. Get to the sequence. And I really yeah. enjoyed the sequences. Uh, even though, by the way, terrible editing. Uh, as far as the yeah, sequence. But- the intercutting of stuff was terrible, but just that speaks to, I think, the cleverness of these sequences, that it could survive some terrible editing and, and even lackluster choreography. Just some really clever stuff in here. 
And opening that German mission with them already escaping from it and the explosions, like, even as it's just telling you which city you're in, that, I don't think I've seen that before. Like, in a movie where they just go, fuck it, just go right to this. Except in Ghost Protocol, there was a mission where Tom Cruise had to break into, like, a building, and you just stay outside the building, and then five seconds later, he's, like, out, and alarms are going off. It reminds me of how Lethal Weapon 2 opened. Is you know, we're just going to start yeah, in an yeah, action yeah. sequence. And, and I, what I like about that is it kind oh, of charts... It charts the uh, the trajectory in a way of the franchise, which yeah. was a street racing movie, and we start with a street race, and then we abruptly cut to being a, a heist movie, uh, yeah. and James Bond gadgets and super spy saving the world stuff, and I kind of I appreciated that. It's let's just we're just going to show you a street race for nostalgia's sake, and it's a clever street race. I enjoyed it. I liked the contrast yeah, between the like stars. I liked yeah. the, the gimmick that he uses to get out of it. I have no idea what was going on with the Coke can, although I did appreciate <laughs> your, your Clarence Thomas joke, Kelly Wand, very nicely done. Uh, wow. But I, you know, to, to then just abruptly cut from that to, okay, we're just going to get to our heist movie now. Uh, yeah. yeah. I admired that. Um, but I didn't like how the rock soccer thing was exactly the same. As oh, I saw that coming the moment he started talking. I was like, yep, I bet he – and I never see things coming. But I was like, yep, he's talking to a bunch of little girls. And they've already <laughs> there done was, it. There was never a moment where they fooled me and I thought he was talking to yeah. soldiers. And in 7, when he when he go, when he like he flexes his arm and the cast breaks off and he goes, daddy needs to go to work, he didn't improve on that line in this one. Like he just kept referencing it as a callback. But it's like that's why Seven's better is it had iconic moments moments like that and this one is was i thought a little thin on the oh remember when that happened kind of shit why i don't know why i didn't like seven and did like this though i'm not i, I you didn't like seven no not really it was fine but i just because the walker stuff is weird but i kind of like it you know the, but the stunts in that movie are great i think and when they come yeah. out of the cars tyrese is stuck in the trees it's great like that's to me that's better than anything in this movie like i liked the submarine and i liked all the cars being controlled but they weren't as epic or well resolved <laughs> all right well dingus what was your favorite action sequence in this what, what worked best for you in this um i don't know how to answer that because I, i've got a weird relationship with these movies every time we watch one of them i watch all of them and uh, because yeah. i I kind of, and I said this last time, I think when we did the the seven podcast, um, I kind of see it as a, as a whole, uh, I've ceased to see them as separate movies. And when somebody asks me, well, which one do you, which one do you like and which one don't you like? Uh, it's more like, uh, reading a huge book and saying, well, this chapter which is good. Chapter? This chapter is weird. This, this part of the chapter is weird. Uh, this part of the chapter isn't isn't so good. I don't like what they're doing with this character in this chapter, but not every chapter corresponds to a movie. I I see this as I, I think I see this this franchise as a, as sort of a singular thing. It's like this huge work, and I see little bits of it in each in each part that work and don't work. So it's hard for me to answer that question. I mean. Uh, while I'm watching it, having uh, since I watched the other seven movies this week to lead up to this, this is one of the reasons why I freaking like this movie so much, uh, is because I think it knows it's so dumb, um, but it doesn't care, uh, and it's letting us know that in a lot of different ways, and and it's understanding that yeah we've lost a limb basically, and we're going to do our best to hobble on as well as we can. So I mean, the the cars falling out of the buildings like like the make it rain stuff i freaking love that i love the submarine stuff even though it's totally yeah. dumb and yeah. you know we we had one listener write in this week 
Chris Markinson, who basically says that this is a, an example of a movie that he thinks is really bad, but he liked a lot of parts of it. And but the submarine stuff is like, like why is that going on? Uh, for me, I loved that stuff. I, I don't know. I'm I'm hard pressed to pick out one particular thing, Tom. I mean, it's hard to answer that question because I so thoroughly loved this movie. I normally don't care for CG. Like the CG kind of kills it for me a lot. But one of the things that I appreciate we can do with CG was the awesome zombie time sequence. Yeah. Uh, the CG for all that 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 tsunami of cars whipping around the corner was just a beautiful moment. Just this idea too that we're gonna wake up all the cars in New York and create a, a tide of cars, and furthermore we're gonna drop them out of the sky. That was just really clever stuff, and it was a good example of. You know what? Here's what CG is going to let us do that even Fury Road won't be able to do with George Miller using practical <laughs> effects. Uh, so I really liked that a lot. Yeah, it's like a was, metaphor too. Like kind of. Well, yeah, so go ahead. How is that a metaphor? How, how would you say that's a metaphor? We're just going to rain cars. You want more cars? Okay, right. we're just going to like pour them all over the screen. I like that you refer to it as a tsunami because I, you know, for me, uh, I was thinking of of animal metaphors or, or bug metaphor uh, bug bug similarities that that one moment where we both laughed where the the cars are all spilling around the corner which looked like rats running around or or the or the cockroaches that i remember from um oh good lord uh, damnation alley uh just w- where they can all be like funneled into one direction but i i think your your metaphor is a little gentler and I, I kind of like it a little more than the way I was thinking, because because all those little cars look like little animals just all going in the same direction. But they all look so fake, and that's fine with me for some reason. Yeah, it's totally fine with me. Do you have a, do you all... have a particular action sequence you really liked in this? Me? Yeah. Uh, I like the race, and I like I like the submarine. I kind of agree with you. It's all one thing, but I thought the the raining cars, it didn't. I don't know if I liked the harpoons. I, uh, the thing is, I was kind of feeling, yeah, I, I don't mind. I, I'm not, I don't get as outrageous dingus when things aren't original, but it definitely made yeah. me think of the Wolverine, and there's a sequence like that in Agent 47, the last Hitman movie. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I did like how they resolved it, uh, especially playing with this idea that his car was like so powerful. This idea of like the American right. muscle car <laughs> as being this indomitable bull that you can't quite bring down. Uh, yeah. I like how they played with that. Uh, so yeah, I, I it did seem familiar, but I was okay with with how it was. This is the first time where I felt a, one of them was derivative, which maybe is a weird thing to say about a Fast and the Furious movie. But like, Paul Walker goes in reverse in the second one. So if I'm a fan of this franchise, I'm watching Vin Diesel steal that move. And then at the end, I just remember thinking, this is the first one of the whole series where I didn't give a shit what happened to these characters after because there's nowhere for them to go like they've there's no reason for charlie's throne to come back i didn't understand what she was trying to do or where she'd been well, like she doesn't know any of them it's because Why does she want a nuke? <laughs> it's because that w- one of the things that this move these movies have started to do is is to make uh, the characters recyclable um yeah i know so I like so that every single bad guy and that's why they're not going to kill them off can become a good guy at some point but that's um the- it, I don't think that's lame at all. I think no, that it doesn't add anything. Now there's they're already too top heavy. Like it, it's so it, it doesn't make sense. Like okay, the Rock and the Rock was a cop, so and he can he sees them as like a tool he can use. But there's no fucking reason they would be teaming up with Jason Statham's character who killed their friend. It's just know, ridiculous. That is, 
That is pretty I, bad. I mean, it, I don't think the movie acknowledges that to my satisfaction. That like, wait, we're friends with him now. What? Well, well and the, that's movie, the movie doesn't, but the series awesome. does because of that whole that whole dichotomy, uh, weird dichotomy of freedom versus family, and and the different things about family that are going on. But he killed um, a bunch of people that they like. <laughs> I know, so but he did brother. it for his brother, right? And Owen Why, Shaw. Though? Yeah. Well, uh, Owen Shaw was against that thing. I mean, he's like, yeah, I have a different code. You have that code, and your code's not going to work, and my code is. But then it turns out that his brother, uh, like, wreaks all of this destruction because he's going at, going after all the guys who hurt his younger brother. And so that restores that sort of weird family code. So, I mean, I mean, there's this weird like family versus freedom thing that goes on in this particular movie. And I, and I think that they pay, uh, they pay that off. No, I don't think they pay lip service to it. I think they pay it off. Uh, I think it, it kind of works out. Helen Mirren is trying to sell that. Like, see, they have a they have a mom, and they're they're Helen Mirren's kids. So how bad can they be? I think we're supposed to think that, but I didn't think that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm kind of with with you on this, Kelly, and I don't I don't think that the any given movie is at all concerned about what went on in the previous movies or what's going to happen in the next movie. Because uh, I but I'm it uses like, it too. Well, you know, Jason Statham killed the the Asian fellow. Like that, you can't. And and the whole movie is, you know, people bent her on revenge for him. And I, that it's kind of, I guess, what comic books do. Where like, hey, Lex Luthor's Superman's nemesis, but now we're gonna have one issue where he's teamed up with Superman to fight <laughs> Brainiac or or whatever. Uh, and I don't think it's it, it's ever in service of anything except the immediate moment. And right. furthermore, furthermore, I think the real reason they do these is because none of these characters is a character. Every single one is whatever celebrity is playing the character. Jason mm. Statham is no one other than Jason Statham from Jason Statham movies, and he was funny in Spy. He's funny in this. Uh, yeah, he is. It doesn't matter. It was his character in the last movie that killed Kang, not Jason Statham. You know, The Rock's character was a cop, not The Rock. You know, it was The Rock who – all of this stuff is just – nobody is anybody other than him or herself, and it gets it. I, I genuinely so we have we've had this discussion before where I I was once asked a long time ago where is our latter day Harrison Ford and I was sort of pondering that question and thinking I I don't know and I I ventured I I think maybe Dwayne Johnson might be a latter day <laughs> Harrison Ford and we've we've had a lot of back and forth about that on this podcast and I I stand by that but an important difference Harrison Ford was never just Harrison Ford. He was Han Solo, or he was Indiana Jones. Yeah, they were different. Uh, or he was Harrison Ford trying to play a character in Mosquito Coast or in Witness. Uh, the Rock, I could not tell you. When, when they said his name was Hobbs in this, I was like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of right. I would never have been able to remember that. Nobody – I don't know Tyrese's name in this movie. It's Tyrese. Uh, Roman. But the fact, well, thank you. Exactly. Uh, but it, the fact that the fact that I remember Paul Walker was Brian before going in like that. Yeah. Is a but I don't think anybody plays a character rather than they show up and they're themselves. And the fact that one of the one of the important differences between Dwayne Johnson and Harrison Ford has to do with how movies are cast these days, especially these big blockbusters. We're not building a movie around this character of Hobbs, who's a cop. We're not building this movie around 
uh, oh, uh, Deckard, who was avenging his brother and who murdered the Asian guy, were building a movie around, hey, don't you like Dwayne Johnson? Don't you like Jason Statham? Isn't Vin Diesel a badass? Uh, yeah, but before they didn't have this problem. And if, if they want to, if they want us to not care about the previous <laughs> movies, they're still bringing back the blonde cop that Vin Diesel was with to kill her off. The blonde. Co- oh, I didn't know. I had no idea who that was. She was from Five. Yeah. <laughs> right. No idea. I was like, wait, what? And, and yeah, when she got refrigerated, I did not know why or how I was supposed to care. I mean, I could infer from what was going on, but I didn't remember her from five. Yeah, uh, and six. He, she, they break I mean, up I, in six. No, right. I mean, I, I figured it out, but I know they had the replacement for Michelle Rodriguez. But uh, And what and she think of her doesn't matter, doesn't care. Uh, but that's because these movies, they're, they're just action sequences. And I, I, I know that, that's why to me. I really, really enjoyed this because it wasn't as – it didn't lean as heavily on this smug appreciation of its celebrities as The Expendables does. <laughs> it's way lighter. It's way more deft than that, and the action is way better choreographed. Um, but, I, man, just I imagine how much I would like this if it had someone like Joss Whedon doing actual writing and creating actual characters. Um, Boy, uh, one of the things that Chris Markinson in his email said was, please don't tell Tom this because they don't want to give him more ammo. But he thinks that uh, Dwayne Johnson is really trying harder than everybody else and succeeding much more than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I, and he, I think he doesn't want to give you more ammo. In your well, he's the one who got pissed off at Ben. Oh, I see. Well, I certainly have a soft spot for him. So I, you know, when Dwayne Johnson, I, I, I've watched all sorts of crap just because Dwayne Johnson is in it. And sometimes you get a little gem like him and Stephen Merchant in Tooth Fairy. There's some really great stuff in there. It's a horrible movie, uh, but I, he's just so watchable in anything. He's great in this. It's yeah. just he's not doesn't have any chemistry with anyone. And, and it's really well, funny to think back to well, that's about not this. true because well, you know this is another thing Chris says that he thinks he does have real chemistry with Jason Statham, and there was yeah, talk, that's true. That's true. According to uh, according to Chris Markinson, there's there was talk of them doing a but spinoff, <laughs> I know, and um, and so, it being a button at the end of this that Vin Diesel apparently nixed, and it will only be on the Blu-ray. But I don't I don't know if any of that's true. This is just something that one of our listeners. Uh, our archivist Chris told me um, that they were going to do a spinoff and it was going to be a it was going to be a button at the end of it and then it got next. Well, it was funny thinking about the kerfuffle with uh, which I wondered if it was a publicity stunt. And I'm thinking now maybe not no. with the thing between The Rock and Vin Diesel because it really yeah. is. The, the, I do think this is a big problem: is how seriously Vin Diesel takes himself and yeah. how little range he shows. Like mm-hmm. I I I have some affection for the guy when he's doing an ensemble thing and he's per it's okay that he's completely flat in one note, like in that last Riddick movie, uh, the triple X movies, whatever. Uh, but I think he's, he's, he's just such a, he's such dead weight here. Yeah. It's really hard to watch sometimes. Cause I, I just watched, uh, this week, um, cause I wanted to watch a couple of F. Gary Gray movies and I watched a man apart. Have you guys, either of you seen a man apart? No. And that's the one he left this for. And then, Oh really? Went, yeah, he left. He he bailed on it because he's like, "Fuck you guys!" And so that's why the second one only has Paul Walker in it because he's like, "Oh, don't do another one." And well, I was then, curious about that because he did this and he did be cool, and now he's he's done. I mean, he did a Man Apart and he did be cool because be cool has The Rock in it, right? Um, and Triple X wasn't that after Fast and the Furious? I think it was. I think it was his follow up. He's like, "See, I don't need 
car shit. I can jet. I can ski down mountains. But watching, but to Tom's point, watching Vin Diesel try to be tough, just trying so hard to be tough, and he's just like he's just dead weight, and and he's just got a weird like mustache and beard that it actually morphs during the movie. But he's he's just not. He's just he just he's feels just like he's Vin pretending. It's just weird. It's weird. He's less expressive than Dwayne Johnson. I'll say that. Oh, hey, just I mean, the, oh, come on. He's not expressive at all. I mean, he's got the same expression, whether he's mean or crying or whether he is at one point, quote, experiencing the worst pain I ever felt. He's got the right. same. He briefly and I admire I don't know how hard it would work on this, but he briefly at that moment where he's having to walk away from Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, after like saving her from the the Game of Thrones force majeure guy who I loved, I was so glad to see him in this. Yeah, but he, yeah. He He's briefly good. had this one kind of pained expression, and I, I was just like, oh, Vin, bless you for trying. That's at least you gave that a shot. Because uh, for the most part, he he has no range. He has he has one expression. Like The Rock can be and super it's his expressive. Story. It's oh, that's his the thing fucking... is, I, I I really do think it's supposed to be like this is where Dominic Toretto goes over to yeah. the dark side and and yeah. he's super grim and it's even a little dark. It's, it's like uh, it's like when Superman gets evil or something. Right. And it's just it's it's ridiculous that to watch him trying to give that some gravity yeah. when, there's, when there's just nothing there. He's so blank. And then the camera stops. He's like. I nailed it. I was so. <laughs> you can imagine him wanting to pick which of these are going to go in the Oscar reel. Like people are coming just to see my face. These cars, we could lose them all, and this franchise would make ten times more if I was. So, if all the characters were me. You guys know there's the bit with the and some of the writing in this is just that you know Charlize Theron's I'm the I'm the crocodile in the watering hole bit is horrible. He's got a couple <laughs> of bits where he talks about when you step on the tiger's neck, you can't step off. Do you guys know what he named his video game studio? When they were making these Riddick games, Vin Diesel uh, started his own game development studio that helped with these games. Kelly Wan, you might know this. Do you know what he named his studio? I used to know, and I tried to get work there because I thought it would have been funny, but I'm glad I didn't in hindsight. Uh, No. Diesel's video game studio is called Tygon studios and he I was, was going to say something that ends with gone and I thought he was, no, very, he was very open about explaining that it's a tiger and a lion which I don't know how you come to that when Napoleon Dynamite has got a liker in it I know <laughs> what a dork uh, but he, he it's just him taking himself so seriously and it just I it just doesn't fit and it just felt because oh when he comes to save the day like I I mean, yeah, okay, he's got a cool car, and that's kind of nice, they say. But okay. imagine, that would have been so awful if it had been a character, or even just an actor, that I really liked and had fun watching. Uh, and it's just, he's just such dead weight for it at this point. And it's him versus Charlize Theron. So yeah. their, their acting uh, capabilities should be similar <laughs> for that to be like a weighted fight. Their scenes together should be, oh, fuck. Oh, he got, he got her with that one line. Oh, he, she zinged him back. And it's like, there are definitely moments where you're supposed to see her pretending to be stricken by something he said. Yeah. She's definitely, she's, she's flexing that Oscar it. capability He's, there. Yeah. <laughs> and especially coming after off Fury Road, where she was really capable and competent, to see her be losing mind games to Vin Diesel. I have such unreasonably high hopes for this Atomic Blonde movie, I have to say. I, I, need, to be, I need to be talked down from that. You know, as, as per usual, and one of the things that happened in the theater, there's a few things that happened in the theater that were notable uh, during this viewing of this movie. Uh, one of the things was uh, I got us there to the theater because we see it with Tom way too early because uh, we had to see, like, we had to sit through, not see like four trailers 
Um, and it, like Actually, when the third one started, it, Tom it, said, Jesus, ding us. It was five. I, I remember Excalibur, Justice League, Detroit, Catherine Bigelow's new movie, Atomic Blonde, and The Mummy. Five entire – actually, we got halfway through Excalibur. I'm kind of jealous. I didn't get any of that. So, um, so I'm, I think the Atomic Blonde one was the uh, Depeche Mode trailer. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. It was the one after Detroit and before The Mummy. Uh, all I know is I saw a quick flash. Of Shirley, I saw Shirley's Theron's face and just immediately closed my eyes. Cause I knew it's that's the one that, was just, that just had your own personal Jesus just like, throbbing through it, and it's hard to block that out of your ears because, uh, you know, we – we close our eyes and close our try to close our ears as well as we can. Your but hearts. I'm pretty sure Depeche Mode was playing throughout that whole thing. I think that was the Atomic Blonde. They used that for Devil's Double. They can't and the only for... reason I know about Atomic Blonde is because you've mentioned it before. I can't remember under what context. You it, it's the John Wick guy who didn't do John Wick 2. He instead split off to do an R-rated action movie with Charlize Theron, whereas one of the two guys ah. did uh, the R-rated action movie with Keanu Reeves, which is uh, John Wick Chapter 2. Um so it's just – it's also – I just really did miss – I mean I, I, this, this bugs me so much more than it used to just because so many other movies are so much better about it, and we'd just seen Ghost in the Shell. But I just was so – I just had so little patience with the token female characters in this, and I, I – yeah. it was just so many dudes, and that's another reason that I missed so- Paul Walker's sort of pretty boy softness is there is – I mean, he's not feminine by any stretch of the imagination, but it softens up the the, the roided up edge to this. And yeah, yeah, I just I using sneakers and just like hey. so you know if if they're gonna in the next movie make sure Lee's Theron one of their if they, if if that's uh, what it takes, fine, really? we'll collaborate, make her one of the sidekicks, bring her into the family. I don't know, but I, that really did sort of I, halfway through. I was like, wait a minute, is this all we're getting? That's uh, another dumb thing. She was the Rock's employee. He, it should be him. Being mad at Charlize. Well, what did you think about her in this? Uh, one of the things that Chris uh, Chris Markson also says that uh, why did they do her hair like that? And he asks, is it the equivalent of Samuel L. Jackson's lisp in Kingsman? Ah, I actually liked her hair yeah. like that. I don't normally like those kind of like dreadlock things, but I liked her hair like that. She she wears it well, I, I will say. Mm-hmm. And so my problem about with her in this uh, is that too much of it was just her alone in a room. Like yeah, talking yeah. To a she's screen. a computer. Well, they had that, that ridiculous girl hack fight. I mean, yeah. it would, if it had been played as a joke, because I, you know what? I, I enjoyed it because it was ridiculous, but I don't think they knew how ridiculous it was. And Diggs and I were both laughing because it was such a typical, like, I don't want to do it on my keyboard because it'll pop. Yeah, it was just and and just it was just intercut with actual action sequences too, and uh, hip hop music. Like, oh yeah, bitches. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was there was a, there was there was one line in particular. It was like, oh, she's damn good. Yeah. I mean, it was just so obvious and wonderful. <laughs> and that's why I would disagree with you, Tom, because I think this movie knows how dumb it is. Oh, well, the thing I, – I don't think it's play. no, no. It knows how dumb it is, but it's not playing the girl hack fight as a joke. Like it, it okay. might know it's okay. dumb, but it's definitely not playing it for laughs, which – and I – you and I both laughed heartily at it, and I don't think it was supposed to be funny. Outrageous, yeah. Over the top, yeah. But I don't think it knew – I don't think it knew how ridiculous it was. It knew how ridiculous the torpedo was. It knew how ridiculous the heat-seeking yeah. missile was. I'm not sure it knew how ridiculous the girl hack fight was. Uh, I don't know. You might be right, Diggs. I mean, that's one thing. Is it, it, to its credit, I think this movie had a lot more self-awareness than the Fast and Furious movies that I broke up with had. 
Um, but and, that's her superpower, and, and it's like she can't even fight, really. So she's way less of a... I did think we were going to get a fist fight with Jason Statham, and she just yeah. went... Yeah, you're, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I that's did like that. That's a lame so You're going to get a fist fight with her and Jason Statham? Yeah, yeah, when Jason Statham has her. the showdown with her. I thought, okay, well, now they're going to Oh, with the baby. Fight. All right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. she just leaves, <laughs> which I guess I'm okay with. But, uh, yeah, I yeah. thought we were at least going to give her a cool action sequence and get a little taste of Atomic Blonde, maybe. But, nope, she just leaves. Uh, Weak. Weak. I did Weak. love – I loved the baby fight. I mean, it was no uh, – I was going to ask the, you how you felt about the baby stuff. Yeah, it was – what's the Clive Owen thing? Um, yeah, she – so, shoot him up. Yeah, it was no what? shoot him up with because that has great baby stuff. But uh, that's, I, that's a good I, call. I, like, I should have used that for over under. That's great. I did like the baby fight quite a bit, especially because, and uh, you know, St- I just really enjoy Statham so much when I enjoy him so much more when he's not taking himself seriously. Yeah, which is yeah. why I enjoyed him so much in Spy, and to see him just having fun, letting loose, playing with the baby, which I imagine, by the way, was never on the set with him. <laughs> I wouldn't be right. the least bit surprised. Every single yeah. shot. It was just a, a take to the baby. It was always a one shot of one or the other of them. Uh, but I did enjoy. Uh, he was take- doll. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was probably the stunt double for the baby on the yeah. day shot. It was Bradley Cooper's doll from American Sniper. Very good. <laughs> yeah. But I believed everything that he was doing with the yeah. baby. I believed yeah. everything he was doing. It's good. And I thought he was just so charming and funny. And I love that you bring bring up the the spy character because I think Chris said that as well. That I, I think that that's really a strong suit of his uh, to be able to play off of his transporter character, but not be so serious. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a really good contrast to what to how Vin Diesel is just so clunky. I mean, he just feels like, I mean, he feels like a car that's transmission is going or something. I don't know. It's 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 so hard for him to do any of that stuff. And right. Jason Statham is so natural at it. Yeah, yeah. So, Dingus, do you think maybe Kelly Wand is right and Scott Eastwood is kind of being bred as a stand-in for Paul Walker? Oh, I God, know. I hope not. Jesus. Because I mean, I, he gets his ass handed to him a lot of this, like, ah, loser. Like, he's well, basically, basically tortured. I mean, he no, plays I it. think he's just too wilted. I mean, he's not. Yeah. He doesn't have any spark to him. Like, but he, he plays, I, I normally can't stand the guy. Yeah. But it, when he plays a douchebag, which is what he's doing here, yeah. I'm I'm kind of yeah, he's good at it. So I I don't I hope he's not being bred for that kind of like hey here's our pretty white boy, uh, and especially that he can't pronounce nuclear. Yeah, what the he heck? Nuke, nuclear football that was awesome. That was oh, I mean moment. I understand when Harrison Ford does it in the Crystal Skull movie, everybody's too shy to correct him. This is just Scott Eastwood, you guys. People on the set correct him if he can't pronounce a word correctly. Nuclear. President Jacob. I don't think he looks distinctive enough. He just looks no, generic. He, yeah. And, and and you made a joke about Scott Kahn. I mean, yeah. he's not even yeah. distinct enough to look like Scott Kahn. Popular name in that generation. I don't think I – I certainly don't think so, no. He's just a – he's just a – I don't know. He's a placeholder. But is he supposed to be? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think he's somebody for, for Kurt Russell to make jokes about. That you know, Dickinson, you're you're right, but I also do wonder. Like I, a lot of this, I don't doubt the studio knows exactly the appeal. Like they know the mm-hmm. demographics of this. They've been finessing this this series for a while. The fact that it did have multinational, multi ethnic appeal, a lot of that is by design. Uh, and I do wonder, did someone think, you know, we need a twenty something white guy? Uh, they usually do because Ghost in the Shell. I don't know. 
Yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised. Really I mean, not so. specifically to replace Paul Walker's character, but specifically to replace that sort of stand-in demographic. I don't, I don't it's know. Like they're missing. It just seemed weird. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, I, I'd rather have Lucas Black because he's so much fun. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, he's in the already. He's already part of the family in quotes too. Right. Isn't right. He? They probably it's, can't afford him. And he's also <laughs> super charming. And I mean, Tokyo Drift is is really. I mean. I've ceased to look at these movies as individual things. It's so much, it, it's such a pleasure to watch all of them. And I really even like Tokyo Drift. I really like the way it works. And he's I like really it, too. it. Is yeah. four good? No one tell everyone's all yeah, fuck four. But that's the one I haven't seen. Uh, it's, it's the first Justin Lin one or second. Yeah. Justin. The, the opening CG is terrible. Uh, a lot of the direction is really hammy. Um, but again, uh, I started to look at these as like this part of the chapter works, this part of the chapter doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. Dingus, I was counting on you to tell me, tell us the name of the bearded Viking guy from Force Majeure and Game of Thrones. How am I going to do that? I'm not the game, the Game of Thrones guy. I mean, there's you're the Force Majeure guy, though. You know the guy from Force Majeure. We love him from that. You uh, laughed, you laughed just as much as I did when he came on screen. I mean, yeah, I was very pleased. It's just so pleasing to see his his wide eyes. They're so big. David uh, Caruso. Hey, dang it, yeah. fix it. What's his name? Tell us his name. I can't. I don't know his name. It's, it's Bjorn. Lee. I bet it's Bjorn something. Castlepockers. Castlepockers. <laughs> um, is the uh, is the hacker girl also from Game of Thrones? Yeah, the Santa. Oh, that's right. That Dingus, you know yeah. that. She's Daenerys's. Uh, You're the lady. one, because remember, Dingus, I remember you talking about watching Game of Thrones with your son in the room. In the scene where she's topless, you had to strategically position your body what? so that Kiernan was behind you. <laughs> Let him learn something. <laughs> For once. Her name is yeah. Natalie. Natalie something, I don't remember. Na- <laughs> Natalie, okay, so I'm cheating. Natalie Emmanuel and oh, the guy you. who played Rhodes, the bearded Viking fella, Christopher Hivu, H-I-V-J-U. Uh, ah. So I never would have known that. Um, I did like during the credits, there was this oh. whole like Icelandic part where there were there were all these names that were like that during the credits what what was shot in cleveland ohio i don't know but the georgia has such a better georgia has such a better logo and uh, and logo than than ohio ohio is like hey it's what's new or something (laughs) yeah really Georgia Peach at the end, because so many things are shot in Georgia. Georgia, I mean, yeah, like Atlanta's a great stand. There's a lot of TV production, uh, mm. and it was just weird seeing uh, Cleveland <laughs> getting a whole unit there. Uh, <laughs> and that was really shot in Cuba, by the way, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Cool. That was weird. Uh, that was a weird sequence. I did, I did kind of like it though, because I, I like, the... I like the idea of the Cuban car culture and how they paid a little uh, bit of uh, homage to it. Um, although his character is supposed to be Dominican, I think, right? Well, I, yeah, actually, yeah, very, yeah. But, but, I, I mean, I, the cool thing about Cuba is a that we shot there, and b that it is Cuba. That this was a country that, in the old regime, was was Castro. You know, it's one of the holdouts of the, the Cold War, and finally Obama was like, you know, let's move past this. There's this whole constituency in Florida that resents Cuba, and. I, I just think the embargo was finally shut down. It was really cool to see Cuba featured in the opening of the movie. I mean, they're, they're right. our neighbors as much as Canada in a way, but we've been ideologically separated from them, mainly by our own fault for so long. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty I, there. 
it's beautiful, and the fact it was very respectful of you know I, I, the, the Cuban people, and it, that was uh, a great little twist at the end is to ennoble the the quote unquote bad guy. Uh, so you're right, Dingus. Like it might not have been ethnically correct because Cuba's been off limits for so long, but I was just delighted to see. You know, the the world's in such a weird space right now. It was so awesome yeah. to just see that kind of openness again that, that we were enjoying for a while that hopefully we can continue to enjoy uh, being featured in the movie. Um, and I actually – Stop North it. Korea. <laughs> I did notice it was hilarious how we had to specify we had to specify this base had been seized by separatists and Russia had not bothered to take it back yet. These were not Russian soldiers being yeah. dead; they were separatist terrorists. But those were German like, cops. The, well, that's the funny that. thing. You, it was like a pause button. Yeah, clearly those the the cops were killed by the wrecking ball. Right? right, like German policemen killed by the wrecking ball, but no, Hobbs yeah. is not charged. There were no murder charges, so we we missed the scene from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where the cop guard goes over the cliff, and we see the cops getting out of the car, shaking their heads. Yeah. We, we, we needed that scene in the Berlin sequence. No, they're dead, Tom. Oh, I guess you're right. Just like the people crushed under the tank in uh. Five. Yeah. What was that? Five, six, whatever uh, that was. Remember in five at the beginning when the bus crashes, there's like a news lady going, and incredibly there were no casualties when the bus flips over like 38 times. Yeah, and incredibly, Kelly wanted The prison Berlin. bus? Yeah. But that's the last yeah. time we heard a news lady who say that. that, by the way. It was another yeah. lady. Perd uh, well, um, and one of the things I did like technically about the, the, the race in Havana was the motorcycle shutting down the street thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, what know, a detail. Yeah, I didn't know why. Why is Letty putting that bandana on her face? And then, and then instead of like in earlier movies where they actually shut down streets with with cones and whatnot and and keep them shut down at night, they used the motorcycles to shut them down in yeah. real time, which I thought was kinetic. really great. Yeah, I love that touch. And and you know why she? Oh, put did it you in. say kinetic? Yeah, yeah, just it kept it moving. Oh, like great. it's like okay, you got to watch yeah. the motorcycles come forward, and then they go past this intersection, and the motorcycles come. Like this great leapfrogging element added to the race. Yeah. And Dingus, you know why she pulls the bandana up on her face? What do you mean? So that the stunt woman actually riding the motorcycle oh. <laughs> can be more readily in the shot. <laughs> uh, very, good. very good. I just liked um, it, and I love your word kinetic. Kinetic is a great word. Because that. that's for all my fault with the editing and stuff. I mean, this thing did move. I mean, it was well paced, and I get yeah. I give this movie a lot of credit that can maintain pacing. That's yeah. that you, that's that's a cardinal sin to fumble your pacing. As long as you can keep things going, don't slow down like that. Like this movie didn't slow down, and I love that about it. Yeah. I miss part of it. I have questions for you guys. <laughs> so apparently, the mom gets killed, and I missed that part too. I was in the bathroom. Oh, me too, Kelly. One, you and I have have the exact same size bladder. Yeah, I know. Are you guys so kidding? I didn't describe it to me. I'm all, what? Yeah, no, I'm not. So I didn't it didn't occur to me. Until, I don't know what yeah, happens. It didn't occur to me until partway through. I was like, wait a minute, where's the mom? I must have missed a scene where they killed the mom. Uh, I was told, but well, she shot the mom, and I had to like think, wait, there's a mom in this? So yeah. <laughs> Well, here's here's the thing, Kelly Wand. Uh, about 15 minutes into the movie, the five guys, uh, the five seats that were next to us that were empty, um, were suddenly filled by these dudes who came in smelling of like Axe body spray. I mean, it's five. What's the that's, that's, that's the movie's demographic. What's the matter with you? It was yeah. clearly, and and they have like huge tubs of popcorn. They all uh, arranged themselves. <laughs> After they finally get themselves settled, the guy next to me goes. How long is this movie 
this movie been going on? <laughs> Wait, how how far into these did he come in? Well, our they theater, missed Cuba. They missed all of Cuba, right? They missed all of uh, Cuba. Oh, they, they were there at least fifteen minutes after it started, which means how long's uh, been keeping on though? Well, the movie, the start time of the movie was, let's say, 3.45. We've got about 20, 25 minutes of previews. And so they got there at, like, 4.20. Get it? Yeah. And so the dude just leans over to me and goes, how long has this movie been going? <laughs> like, 15 minutes. All right. uh, I might have said that, too, but it was right as it was starting. <laughs> With what was going on when you guys went to the bathroom... It, did anybody tell you? Did you go with somebody, Kelly, that told you what actually happened during the? Uh, yeah, but I go. That's all she said was like, "Uh, yeah, shut them off." And I go, "Did he? Did she say anything funny? Like, give me some, like, give me an office thing." It's like, no. Well, she just said, well, what happens is that that they're on that the plane where she lives, which is a hilarious thing that you said during the absence. Yeah. Um, with a salad. Charlize Theron and uh, and the dude from um, Game of Thrones were in the cell with her, and she's holding the and Charlize uh, or uh, Cipher as her character name is is holding Jesus the baby. Christ. Jesus and she's Christ. holding the baby, and uh, Dom is on the other side of the glass, and she's basically threatening. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and kill this baby now. <laughs> um, and then. Cipher. Yeah, and yeah, what a cipher she is. And yeah. so what ends up happening is that the dude with the red beard uh, shoots the mom in the head um, while Vin Diesel is standing on the other side of the glass and Charlize Theron is holding the baby. Having a character named Cypher is like having a character named Trope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was, I was, I was glad to see that they gave their f bomb to Helen Mirren because yeah. Tyrese, Tyrese almost got it. it. You know, he's he's there with uh, with with Scott uh, with Scott Eastwood, uh -huh. and he's like, "That was my shin, mother!" F and then he gets cut off. Yeah. Right. Uh, if you get I was like, "Oh, so they didn't? They they're saving their f bomb for something special." This is where I'm with Kelly Wan, where I think ratings are ridiculous. I I'm so keenly aware now of the one f bomb. Oh, yeah. In a PG and then you know you won't hear another one. Right, oh, exactly. Even you know, with the plot so many calls. more fucks, yeah. So when Tyrene uh, gets cut off at motherfuck, I was like, oh, they're saving their f bomb for <laughs> someone. And I was so glad to see it given to uh, Helen Mirren. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you think of that cameo, Kelly Wand? Uh, they looked real to me. One, two, three. Not only you and me got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three. Well, Kelly, Wand, I have a question for you. Have we won you over to our side? You were really down on Fist the Furious when we started the podcast. Where are you now? I was laughing for the whole movie, so I guess I liked it. I think if you, I don't know, you should have been there with me and Dinkus, because it's definitely uh, one of those like fun theater movies, go with your buddies. Yeah. Everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. But I don't know if they can... I don't know if they're a nine would be better. Well, it would be similar to this. We will find out in 2019, and I think one has been announced for 2021 for 10. So these aren't oh. going away, Kelly Wand. 
it was great and it it was a really great experience seeing it in the theater because of the things that people would cheer about while we were watching it. I don't remember exactly where they were, but when certain characters would come back, people would cheer. I, was just, I, I cheered when Luke Owen or Luke Evans showed up. Oh yeah, yeah. When Scarface shows up. Yeah, yeah. But that's I cheered when I left the theater to smoke pot and then came back in. <laughs> well Kelly Wan, what quantity of pot did you smoke? How would you how would you measure oh. that? Well, yeah. <laughs> Two lungs full. Well that brings us to this week's three by three. Dingus three cocks. What what do you got? I love this one. I got some good ones. Right, Can I have, mm-hmm. What were you gonna say, Tom? Can I have four? Can I, can it be a three by four for just me? Uh, I have a fourth one that I really I, – I, right now I have to say, let me – I will confess something. I don't have my list ready. What? I've, I've got four. I've got my list I, ready. Can I, have, can I do four? <laughs> I've got four, one, and I don't know which one to cut. I don't I, – I, I, at this point, they're all here. They're in order. I can't – if you guys aren't going to let me have four, I'm going to have to cut one of them. I don't know which one. That's like cutting a character out of Fate of the Furious. Wait. Oh. That's okay. You know, so then I'll just add a baby and name it after the one I cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, All right. Tom. So, so oh. Dingus, tell us a little bit about this week's 3 by 3 and then I'll take it uh, from there. That press, Dingus. Did, did either of you find that? No, oh, never mind. We can't find it right now. We can't. No, because we're past the spoiler part of the podcast. But it did make me cry. But I'm an easy cry. Really? Yeah, I'm in such an easy cry. All right, these are your three favorite measurements in movies. Uh, I uh, said initially that I was mainly going for length, but why uh. the base is fine. Um, uh, I guess, I guess, Could you let me uh, talk, please? I guess, <laughs> I guess stomach volume as well. Uh, so anyway, these are measurements in movies. All right, my third favorite measurement in a movie is 268,597 square miles. Now, this, I don't think I'm going to get in trouble because I can explain this. This is never <laughs> said in the movie. Uh, as this is about to be said, I think someone, I know it. Someone, oh, do you? Yes. So. What? What? Is, it, are, is that how big uh, the state of Texas is? Kelly Wan, you're brilliant. Absolutely. So as this line is about oh, to be said, when, when the president asks, well, just how big is it? A technician stands up and starts to say numbers because they're teleconferencing. In Armageddon, they're teleconferencing to the president <laughs> to tell him about, hey, an asteroid's going to hit Earth. We're all screwed. And the president's like, well, how big is it? And a technician stands up and starts saying numbers. And Billy Bob Thornton cuts him off and says, Mr. President, it's the size of Texas. And that right there is uh, – that is all you need to know about Michael Bay's craftsmanship as a filmmaker. He knows that – Or his cartography. Uh, well, it's clearly his cartography because – Clearly. He, so I this led me to watch. I can't uh, – you're welcome three by three. I rewatched Deep Impact because I wanted to see <sighs> – how does Deep Impact approach this? And sure Did, enough, wait, hold on. You really watched Deep Impact? Again? Deep Impact is so bad. Oh my god, movie! I, I remember it. It's it is so incredibly bad. There's a lot of babies at the end being held up. Oh, I love Deep Impact so much. I'm so happy that you had to watch. Do you, do you remember Robert Duvall's name in Deep Impact? His character's name? No. Uh, Gus. No, that's uh, Lonesome Dove. Ready? Uh, it, it, his name in Deep Impact is Spurgeon Tanner. Ah. Uh, <laughs> 
That's, that's not even a word. Uh, Deep Impact is so bad. The, so, the misunderstanding between the name Ellie and Ellie. Well, that that's kind of cute. I mean, so the, the yeah. wind up in Deep Impact is cool, but once we find out what's going on, all the 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 sort of second act about once they're resigned to they're going to get hit and everybody's talking about how they feel and what they're going to do and no I'm not going to go in the shelter and hey let's get married I mean it's so awful it is so it's such TV quality it's a it's a TV movie about like how we feel Isn't Elijah Wood Elijah Wood is in it it's full of TV he actors because Mimi Leader who uh, is from ER and there's all these like it's yeah. Ron Eldard playing the main astronaut and it's uh it's all these ER actors and it's it's just so bad all around uh. And the spaceship, you guys remember what the name of the spaceship that's going to save the Earth is called? No. The Deep it's Impact. Called, nope, it's called Messiah. Oh, Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> that's like Cypher. So at any rate, in Deep Impact, when they when they explain, and actually I think it's Morgan Freeman who's explaining to the American people the size of the – it's a comet. It's not an asteroid. Uh, he says it's the size of New York City. It's about seven miles long. It's larger than Mount Everest, and it weighs 500 billion tons. He rattles off these facts about it because Deep Impact is like, you know, we need to establish things, give them a frame of reference, show that it's as big as Mount Everest. All that Michael Bay thinks you need to know is the size of Texas. All he and that because numbers, Michael Bay knows you don't care about numbers when you're watching Armageddon. Numbers don't mean anything. What matters in Armageddon <laughs> is you must equate this with something big and indomitable. And now, Red State. And Red State, because Kelly Wand, he could have said, because Texas, it's the same size as, as France, Somalia, right. or the Ukraine. It's Billy Bob Thornton. All, of, all yeah. of which are roughly the equivalent of the size of Texas, but none yeah. of which carries the tone of equating something that's going to destroy the earth with with Texas. Right. Uh, this way you get a Texan in the crowd going, yeehaw, when he says that line. Right. Like, proudly. so that's yeah. my third favorite measurement in a movie, not 2,600, 268,597 square miles, because that is the actual size of Texas, but dismissing that number and substituting in the size of Texas. And I maintain, especially after watching Deep Impact, Armageddon, brilliant movie. Ugh. Yep, Criterion it. collection. Yeah, well, there's no criterion for Deep Impact, I don't believe. No, no one's it's interested. So bad. bad. I thought you were gonna pick 2001 as a measurement. Wait, well, <laughs> you don't know what my uh, second and first. Oh, that's true. You had four. I forgot. No, that's only for touching. Well, Kelly, what is your third favorite measurement in a movie? Okay, I might have the number wrong, but I'll do a quote. It's ten feet. I could start reeling off movies that have measurements in them. Oh. Here I go. Uh, we, we made a Stone Age that – or a Stone oh, Age. Oh, very is, good. Yeah, in danger of getting trampled by dwarves. So <laughs> it's from This is Spinal Tap when Christopher Guest's Nigel Tufnell is drawing uh, Stonehenge for their next concert, a, a prop that he wants, and he writes 10 – uh, he does the quote marks that he thinks means feet, <laughs> and then their manager goes, I got this, and he takes the napkin and folds it up. And then for some reason, I guess they don't notice the prop until in the middle of the concert, the size. It's weird that they wouldn't have noticed it in rehearsal, but it like comes down on cables, and it's like toy-sized because he wrote 10 He didn't say it was a skill model. Can I, ask not, a, not as can I ask a practical question at this point? Mm -hmm. Are we going to do Stone Age tomorrow night? 
No, we're not doing bloody fucking Stonehenge. Are you guys doing lines from This Is Spinal Tap? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> That's a great pick, though, Kelly Wand. I, I vividly remember great... that moment. I, I love that moment. Yeah, that definitely stands out for me. Yeah. And it's also but the theme of my list is measurements that were plot points. So that's ah. the moment they they the manager they get rid of the manager because uh, Michael McKean's girlfriend's like, see, this is why you suck. I got to manage the band. And then she's like drawing pictures of them with animal masks. And he's like, you know how much it would cost to have the band dress as animals. I feel like I need to go back and watch This Is Final Tap after two seasons of Better Call Saul. He's so good in Better Call Saul, Michael McKean. Yeah, he's great in Spinal Tap. When's the last time you saw it? I've seen that movie a million times. Man, not in forever, not in forever. Like, I I have not seen... I can't imagine you having enough patience to watch all of Spinal Tap, Tom. What? Really? Are you crazy? I think it would be too tedious for you. I don't know. I love it, but I, I think it would be too... It was one of the first you. mockumentaries, so you, it's almost like... Now we've seen so many mockumentaries, it's its own genre, but it was like one of the first ones ever, and people thought it was a real band. <laughs> well, but, it's, but it's also really self-satisfied, or maybe... Smug is the wrong I word. I think it's great. What? Uh, I think it's, it's great, classic. too, but I think, for, I think for Tom, though... I, I have the album, work the Black album. I mean, he's not going to watch Holy Grail, for instance. No, but Spinal Tap's about heavy metal, and, Sam, and Tom's been to that scene. Yeah, he has been to that scene. Very grunge, yeah. Uh, well, I, no, it's I, great. Kirby's in it, and um, all the cameos. Tom would like that. Tom would go, oh, wait, he's yeah, in this. Tom, Tom loves Billy Crystal cameos involving mimes. Ew, is Billy Crystal in this a Spinal Tap? Fran Drescher's in it a lot. Mm, that is almost that- offsets Billy Crystal. Harry Shearer, Smalls. Mime is money. Uh, the drummers. Oh, yeah, Fred Willard's in it. Does there you go. You? Little Willard goes a long way. <laughs> Dingus, what's your third favorite measurement in a movie? Little Willard. Here's a, here's a quote from it. 38 feet of concrete and steel, my fists, and a body bag will be waiting for you on the other side. It's, that's <sighs> the fate of the furious. It's actually uh, Fast and Furious Seven. Oh, well, that's uh, exactly. It's, it's, that's like what Statham said, or what, when Statham and Dwayne Johnson are having their standoff from their respective right. selves. It's oh. a callback. Oh, it is. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm so oblivious to. How much of this movie did I not appreciate because I didn't remember dialogue? A lot. Wow. Come on, Steph. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's a. I was very pleased to hear that today because this was one of the measurements I really liked, uh, and this is. Um, when he, when The Rock installs Jason Statham or Deckard Shaw, I'm so glad that you remembered his name, Tom. <laughs> I, yeah. I, was, I was so happy when you said his character name earlier. I was, <laughs> I was like rubbing my hands together like, Tom actually remembered. Well, do you know why that is? Do you know why that is? Why? It, it's because he's got Harrison's Ford in it, Harrison Ford's name from uh, Blade Runner. Nobody's yeah. named Deckard, Deckard except Harrison Ford in Blade Runner. Right. Right. So that's why I remember. If you know, if if uh, if Dwayne the Rock Johnson's character had been named Skywalker, I would remember that as well. Instead of Hobbs. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Hobbs. So Deckard Shaw, when he's installed in the black site in the CIA black site, um, and the and he's walking him in, and there's all these guns pointing at him. He's like, "Oh, you think this is going to keep me in? No." And the Rock's like, "No, these are to keep me from coming." 
to keep me out, to keep me from killing you. Uh, and Jason Statham says, uh, do you think all of this is going to keep me in? And he says, well, you know, 38 feet of concrete and steel, my fists and a body bag will be waiting for you on the other side. You better stay. Uh, and, and I think the next thing he says is, you better start digging, boy. Um, and the, the door shut. But then the, the empty line promise. comes back in, in this movie, which I was very pleased. Kelly Wand, what do you think the odds are that all three of Dingus's picks are from the Fast and Furious franchise? I think they're all from that same speech. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, I got to tell you guys, I loved watching these movies again. I, I really, the more I watch them, the more I love them. You watch all of them? You watch seven movies? Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, he has not seen Edge of Seventeen. He hasn't watched any of Fleabag. Uh, What else have you not seen, Dingus? I'm on season eight of Trailer Park Boys. I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a cartoon. It's Canadian. I haven't watched that really cool movie. I want to see, like, I don't feel good about living in this world anymore. Oh, yeah. I don't feel at home uh, in this world uh, anymore with, with the awesome Melanie Linsky. The, yeah, the, I really uh, want to see that. The Macon Blair movie. He hasn't seen that. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah true. Did, 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 so instead, Dingus is watching Fast and Furious 5. For well, the there's only time. seven other ones. Yeah. <laughs> but it's such a pleasure to watch them because I think they do work as a whole really nicely. Right. Like this is my own personal theory. Dingus, it's you, a should road get out, trip. you should get out of your comfort zone sometime. I agree with you. And get into the speed zone. My <laughs> second favorite measurement <laughs> in a movie is two centimeters each a day. Oh, I know and Tom uses that. Do you know what it's from? <laughs> I'll be impressed. Uh, you guessed uh, the other one. Yeah, it's a movie you and I like that Dingus didn't appreciate because he was probably busy watching another Fast and Furious movie. So the the two centimeters each a day applies to a Slim Jim. Does that uh, ring any bells? So much And it also watching the scene, it follows a measurement of this is more distance, but it kind of counts. I did avoid distance, but there's a previous measurement. Uh, and as a matter of fact, some of the early dialogue in this movie is how far do you think we've gone? And the answer is uh, 50 miles. Uh, this is the opening of Cop Car, which is uh. kids, and and what it establishes so wonderfully, and these measurements are part of it, is kid logic. Cop Car is about two little kids who are just out faffing about uh, outside of town, and they find a cop car parked there, and there's no one around it, and they start messing with it, and this cool, dark Cohen-esque movie unfolds around it. And one of the beautiful things that Cop Car does is establish these kids as characters, and it establishes kid logic. Um, I know Dingus has a, a soft spot for Stand By Me, and I can certainly appreciate some of the great things in that movie. I love watching River Phoenix in that, but Stand By Me is clearly about an adult remembering what it was like to be a child, and it's told from the adult's perspective. Um, so there are things in Stand By Me that don't, that to me, feel a little contrived. Uh, but but Cop Car is is completely inside the heads of these kids and what they do and how they think. And part of it is one of the kids, you know, they're just they're going out of town. They've barely crossed a field. One of them says, how far do you think we've gone? And the other one just guesses 50 miles. And then shortly as they're walking down, <laughs> they're walking farther. One of them pulls out a Slim Jim and says, I brought this. Uh, we have to strictly ration it. And the other one says, well, how much how much should we eat? And the other kid says, it's two centimeters a day. And they just take a bite out of it, you know, content that they've measured the two centimeters. <laughs> and the kid puts it back in his pocket. Uh, but I love I love that measurement and how it establishes cop cars uh, adroitness with kid logic, which is something rare in a movie. 
So there's my number two pick. It's two centimeters each a day. That's a great pick. I like that a lot. I didn't remember that quote. Well, Kelly Wand, what is a quote you do remember that involves a measurement? Martin, there are all kinds of sharks in the waters, you know, hammerheads, white tips, blues, macos, and the chances that these bozos got the exact shark, it's 100 to 1, 100 to 1. Now, I'm not saying that this is not the shark. It probably is, Martin. It probably is. It's a man-eater. It's extremely rare for these waters. But the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different from the wounds on the victim. I just, I want to be sure. You want to be sure? We all want to be sure, okay? So the bite radius is your pick for the measurement? Yeah, because he's, he's got the tape out on the dock, ah, and he's measuring right. it in front of him. So you actually see him measuring it, and he's the only one with frowning. Everyone else is like, woohoo, bitches! They're all tyreezing. <laughs> and Martin's like, yeah, oh yeah, tiger shark. What's a, what's a mako, by the way? But I love that he calls them bozos, like right in front of them. A mako shark? <laughs> mako, Wait, what is that? Is it mako shark? Oh yeah. I, it is mako, I, don't, I didn't know if he actually missed Oh, that. I thought mako, the Asian guy. <laughs> So Kelly that's Wan, what he was named after. You've chosen the same movie that's my number one pick, but I have a different measurement. Uh, oh, I know. It's, it's the, do you know? Wait, what the, movie well, the is uh, it's, So it's Jaws, and the measurement oh, for me is, is, is 25 feet. Is that 25. What you're, 25. Yeah, because they're one-upping each other on that. You know what? They're not. I disagree with you because I watched it. I, I love that. I actually watched that sequence again specifically for the overhead shot a few weeks ago because there's that beautiful shot of the shark going by the boat, and you can see it down under the water. Uh and I was thinking, too, it's a little one-upmanship where they first see the shark and Hooper says, that's a 20-footer. Uh, and then Quint says 25, three tons of them. And they have, mm. up to this point, been doing one-upsmanship with each other. Right. But Kelly Wand, I think if you rewatch that scene, there's this almost deference that Richard Dreyfus extends because he says that's a 20-footer. And it's, help, it's partly to help Spielberg moves the camera. But then he looks over to uh, Quint, to Robert Shaw. And it's almost as if he's asking for him to confirm. And Robert Shaw's 25 isn't the least bit snide or I told you so. Yeah. It's just straight up matter of fact. And it's two experts conferring with each other. And I don't think that I, – I think it's kind of Hooper saying that's a 20-footer. And, and his look to Quint is almost a question mark. And Quint is saying, you know, close, 25. It doesn't have – I don't think there's any like malice or – uh, there's not a snap to it. It's just a straight up 25, three tons of them. I'm saying it's the shark one-upping both of them. Right <laughs> the third entry. The shark two-upping, like right? Wait, she? Collection. Are you saying well, the shark in it... Jaws is a she? No, this one in Jaws 2 is. But I was... Oh, oh, oh. Is that true? The... No, the first shark's name is Bruce. Well, it is in the book. <laughs> the shark I... in Jaws in the book is a chick? In Jaws 2. Oh, well, I don't, yeah, no one cares about that. Jaws 1, it's a dude. Okay, right, of course it's a dude. Oh, you know why I know it's a dude? Because in the book, the scene the scene where in the, the movie, they just have the shark sort of halfway jump out of the water and pull the back of the boat down, and Quint slides in his mouth. In the right. book, the shark does a, a full-on breach, and Quint yells, because I remember as a kid thinking this is weird, Quint yells at the shark, quote, I can see your cock, end quote. Really? <laughs> yes, I remember that from the book. Oh, that's great. So definitely a dude shark. I do not remember that line. That's and so I, weird. I, I, I made a Didn't habit of looking at Son of a... Huh? When he shoots it, does yeah. he say... No, yeah, but, but, a, but a son is a dude, Dingus. Yeah. Oh, oh you're agreeing? Okay, right, right. Yeah. But I don't think... Yeah, he doesn't get out the B word because, you know, that would be too much. He, he says... Uh, Dingus, it's a PG movie. 
Mm. Wait goes, I got a mouth to feed. Mine. Because he's like, he's cutting up a porpoise or something. And Hooper's like, that's gross, man. And they're like kind of fighting. That's pretty good. So Dingus, what, what are the odds? Two uses, two appearances of Jaws on this week's 3x3. Three three. What are the odds? Yeah, that never happens. That'll be our next 3x3 uh, three three or odds. Uh, our next 3x3, three three, movies that aren't Jaws. That time it wasn't personal. <laughs> uh, let's see. So where are we? So Dingus, what is your second favorite measurement in a movie? All right. Uh, it would be 60 feet, 6 inches exactly. Uh, Attack of the 50-foot woman? No. Do either of you know what the significance of 60 feet, 6 inches exactly would be? Because this it's is a quote from the movie. How much we give God? Isn't that the bit with Raiders of the Lost Ark where they have to add like a certain amount for God? We give God it's not a feet. measurement that's too kadam for the Hebrew God whose ark this is. Um, but this is 60 feet, 6 inches exactly, and that's the line from the movie. Do either of you know what that is? 60 feet, 6 inches? I'm still guessing Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's not. Centipede? Not Centipede. centipede. Alright, fine. Temple of Doom. It's as far as it I'll is, go. It's the uh, distance between uh, home plate and the pitcher's mound. Oh, and so... Oh. So this is from The Natural, and I love this this moment in uh, The Natural, where uh, it's early on in the movie, where uh, Roy Hobbs, who's clearly related to Hobbs in um, Fast and Furious, uh, Roy Hobbs, played by uh, Robert Redford, is uh, is at this train stop. He's taking a train into the city. Uh, and he's at this uh, train stop, and there's this, uh, there are these carnival games that are being played, and Jodan Baker is um, playing basically Babe Ruth, and uh, they're both trying to impress, or Jodan Baker is trying to impress Barbara Hershey, and uh, and so uh, Robert Duvall's character is going up against, um, or he's he's hanging around with Jedi Megish character, just writing stories about him. And uh, so he kind of goads them into having this uh, impromptu bet where they're, where, uh, where it turns out Roy Hobbs can really, really pitch a, a pretty good fastball. And uh, he says, okay, well, uh, Jedi Megish says, I bet you can't get three pitches past me. Um, and so they bet and they go out to the other side of the train tracks, uh, to do this bet. Um, but I, I like the fact that Robert Duvall, who's the writer, who's the journalist, uh, measures it off, uh, walking it. The 60 feet, six inches is the, is the distance at the time. And he walks it off and he says, 60 feet, six inches. Exactly. Well, it can't be 60 feet, six inches. Exactly necessarily because he's walking it off but at that particular time that was fine uh and i really like that measurement i like the way it works out and i really love the way that whole scene plays out and and the more i watch this movie the more i really like the casting of this movie i bet his character's name in that movie wasn't spurgeon tanner (laughs) (laughs) culture probably not all right uh is Dingus, how high above the court is a basketball net? It's 10 feet. 
Is that true? Is that easy? Half mm-hmm. a Henway. Oh, I thought it. Well, why isn't a why isn't the baseball plate just sixty feet away? The baseball plate is not sixty feet away. It's sixty baseball feet six plate. inches. I mean, why don't they just put it at sixty feet? Why do they have those extra six six inches? Flagpole the boat. Uh, because there's also uh, it also has to be higher than the actual baseball plate, as you put it. it it's also where they put the the flagpole on a boat. You guys aren't helping me learn sports. I'm just gonna have to go watch everybody wants some over and over until I figure this. What's stuff your out. question? What's the what's the measurement you're confused about? I just thought there was gonna be some weird. Oh, it's nine foot two and a half inches, like the the, the basketball. Well, the basketball nope. hoop. I didn't know like ten feet is like so easy and simple. Nope. So why is baseball having this tortured extra six inches? Why don't they just do it straight up sixty feet? And I. What so if the basketball net was proportionate to the height of the player shooting, and it was on like robot? arm and so it's like short players can have a chance that would be fair that would be yeah let definitely uh uh bergeron cameron bergeron no wait what's his name what's i like bergeron cameron he has the tallest player so it seems kind of a dumb way to what's the the vonnegut thing where everything is adjusted to somebody's skill bergeron roberts no what is it it's a short story, right? Harrison Bergeron. Harrison Bergeron. Like, Bergeron. Harrison. I was trying to think of his Cameron. Cameron is well, not his name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you think they should use a robot arm to Harrison Bergeron, the basket of adjusted by uh, player height. It would only be fair. I think they made a movie of that story, and they totally ruined it. Oh, I can't imagine it being a movie. It's just a little weird right. Kafka-esque fable kind of they thing. They Benjamin buttoned it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Dingus, it is time for your favorite. Wait, no. No, it's Kelly's number one. Kelly, what is your number one measurement in a movie? Okay, tell me if you know these quotes. Okay. Come on, Jeff. You've seen how bad business is. Thanks to Fuchs, our name is Mud. Look, we had nuns protesting out front when I got here this morning. Nuns? Yeah, I had to have Jim turn the fire hose on them. Jim holds up the still wet fire hose. And I knocked them motherfuckers right on the asses, too. I'm waiting Make for a measurement. What, what's the measurement? Oh, the measurement's not in that part. But I'm just <laughs> quoting the movie. Sorry. Uh, the movie is Used Cars. Robert Zemeckis Used Cars. And if you remember right, at the end, they are trying to save the used car lot. And they can only do it if they have a certain length of cars that they have to measure. Ah. And the mayor, something is me- he's using a measuring tape. And they're like two inches short at the very end. And then the license plate, like, Tips and falls horizontal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's, it's kind of, I remember now because it's because in a commercial they go, we have a mile of cars to sell, and then the bad Jack Warden twins all, oh, they don't have a mile, and so they have to get a mile's length of cars, and so they like have to hijack all these buses, and it's like a big. Why did they? Why did they uh, cast him as twins? Why didn't they just have another yeah. actor? Yeah, like, did, know, like did an it. actor leave the project or something? Uh, it seems endemic to the plot. Okay. But uh, I do love that movie a lot. I think if you haven't seen it, you should watch Used Cars. You think I haven't seen Used Cars? No, I'm telling listeners. I know you've oh, seen oh, it. Oh, I see. Okay. I'm telling young kids who are stoned right now. Is there any decent nudity in that movie? No. There's a lot of swearing, though. Tons of speak. We've talked about this before, where the woman's dress gets ripped off. In the yeah. Oh, yeah. There is. I forgot it's about that. Great nudity. Come on. How do you get that? Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, speaking of Michael McKean, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And they play Lenny and Squiggy kind of in it. 
yeah. which gives you sense. Of, and Jimmy Carter's in it. What? He's in the he's in the nudity scene. In a way, because well, they're hijacking I mean, his news footage. Right, footage of Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Right, so people who are watching. Okay. Jimmy Carter are watching I don't. I don't think he got a SAG credit in that. I don't think he's getting residuals from used cars. SAG. But then they go, did you hear what I said? And then they cut back to Jimmy Carter, and then he's all, I have heard what you have said. <laughs> so he is interacting. Um, in a way. Use right. cars. Dingus, what uh, have the listeners sent in as their favorite measurements? Well, let me do my number one choice first. Ah, yeah. Dingus, what is your favorite measurement? Obviously, it's not the natural what is uh, the best measurement in all of moviedom? And it's not a Fast and Furious movie, I assume. It's the gray. Nope. It is not either of those things. Uh, this is what inspired the topic. Here's a quote from it. I think you'll find it's the exact same measurement as our gym back in Hickory. Okay, let's get dressed for practice. Oh, my God. More sports, Dingus. I have no idea. It's uh, – oh, oh, oh. You know what? I'm going to make an in-earnest guess because I know you, watch, you we watched it recently. in uh, earnest. That uh, Hoosiers thing. Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that, It too. is that Hoosiers Sweet. thing. Sweet, man. I am is, so good. Oh. Sports movie trivia. Yeah. And Wait, is, it is exactly why – well, that's not really why. I would always be able to answer that question. But one of the lines that precede that are 15 feet and 10 feet. And um, so I, I love this scene so much. They go into uh, – the, the these guys from this tiny little school in Hickory uh, in, in Indiana go into this huge arena and – it's really weird if you if you've ever played basketball um they're, they're playing in tiny little gyms where the the hoops are sometimes right up against the wall behind the behind you know the court is so small the hoop might be affixed to the wall rather than on a pole away from the wall and and your depth of field is different it's weird it's weird shooting a basket it's weird shooting a free throw it's weird trying to shoot a three-pointer of course in Hoosiers they didn't have three-pointers everything was a two-pointer or a one-pointer um, but it's weird shooting those things with a different depth of field and in that huge stadium that they're going to be playing in which feels like a huge stadium because it is um, it, it's it, the players are immediately overwhelmed and and Gene Hackman as the coach uh, Walks them in. They look at this huge stadium, and he and he's got a tape measure with him, and he tells one of his players, "All right, uh, take this out to the to the um, to the free throw line. You know, not to the top of the key, but basically to the free throw line. And how how long is that? What's the measurement? Fifteen feet. Great. And then he tells his big player, you know, get get the little player on your shoulders and go up to the to the hoop, and let's drop this line down. And he gets the player to look at the measurement from the top, from the top of the rim to the floor, 10 feet, which is standard. And basically he's, he's set, he's telling them the measurements of this court are exactly the same as the measurements in our gym back home. This game is going to be exactly the same as any other game we have ever played because the measurements are specific and that is what is important. And that's what makes sports so great uh, because uh, in this particular case, they can rely upon these measurements. Okay, when I'm shooting a free throw, it will be the exact same distance that I would shoot a free throw back home. When I'm shooting at the basket from anywhere on the court, it will be the exact same height as my uh, as my court back home. 
And no matter how big this stadium is, no matter how weird it seems, no matter how, how strange these circumstances seem to me, I can rely upon these measurements. And I love that moment. I love that dropping of the of the measuring tape. So great. So great. Oh, Quite, man, I love measures uh, so much. Questions. Uh, you're saying in basketball, you make a hoop, you get two points. You make a free throw, you get three points. You make a hoop, right? No. You make Wait, a free no. throw, you get one point. You make a basket, you get two points. You make a three-pointer, you get three points. <laughs> oh. Do you understand the three-point part, Tom? <laughs> I thought uh, – okay. Well, wait. What were wait, you saying about they're playing for only one points and two points? They just don't have oh, free th- or they don't have a three at, point at line. That, or? At this, at that point in the history of basketball, there was no, there were no three pointers yet. Wait a minute. So they every- added scoring to basketball. Yes, to change the game. <laughs> oh my God. Think it, many people think it ruined the game at a certain point, but other people think it in the It's a hard shot, though. When did they do this? That is that is you can't you just got finished Dingus, saying one of the great things about sports is the uniformity. They're just at, they're making up new scoring criteria. Well, check right. it, at some point, but it but it's constant once they make that up. And this happens in all sports. I mean, what? they they change things to to enhance the game and to make it more interesting and, or to make it more equal in different ways. But yeah, they added a three-point line. And then, you know, in college, it's at a certain place. And in the pros, it's in a different place. It's, it's farther out. That's weird, too. I get, you know what, it just as someone who plays games, I can appreciate what it does to the risk-reward ratio, ca- like calculation. Right. Uh, but to, to, like, if you, I don't know, if I was really into basketball and they just added, okay, new rule, if you do this, you get more points, I, I can imagine I would just be, uh, I would be outraged. So you're right about the risk reward. So like if I'm going to shoot from right, 25, yeah, 30 feet out, uh, my percentage is going to go down, but my ability right. to score is going to go up. Math, right, right. Mm-hmm. All right, so that that answers my question. Uh, I've learned a lot today. Dingus, what? what? Well, well <laughs> Kelly, before, <laughs> before I read any of the listeners' submissions, do you want to give your fourth? Nah, it'll be a runner-up. Nobody's going to pick this one. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the measurement, and then later I'll tell you what it's to. It's two feet from the edge of the wall to the left. That's the measurement. And then oh. listeners, stick around because after the listener submissions, I'll tell you what that's from. All right. And it's teasing it like a – yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. All right. First, we have Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. I think these 3x3 three three values of mine won't stand up to the 3x3 three three police, but I will bring out the ruler nevertheless. Oh, all right. He's basically trying to weasel out of uh, the law before even giving a uh, submission. He sounds like Christian Gray. What? What is that That's Fifty Shades Darker reference? What was that? I'll bring out the ruler. <laughs> Doesn't he say stuff like that? I wouldn't know, um, Kelly. Mond. I guess he does if you say so. I think Kelly's been watching Fifty Shades. <laughs> or reading it. <laughs> I'm almost done with the cover. He calls it the three-body problem, but it's still <laughs> 50 shades of gray. That is my favorite right. measurement, though, is uh, when he's measuring his shades of gray. It's like 48. Click. All right, it's so Paul, Paul Weimer's number three is Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. <laughs> As the cloaked Klingon ship sneaks closer to the Enterprise for a surprise attack, the range of the Enterprise continues to be given in decreasing amounts until the Enterprise <laughs> is 500 kelicams away. Oh, Wait. no. That's terrible Wait, what? news. 
500 kilocams. 500 kilocams away. Oh At that measurement of distance. Wait, are parsecs distance or speed? Uh, well, anyway, it depends so, on whether you ask George Lucas. Or yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah. He doesn't know. <laughs> He's bragging about something impossible. Richard Dreyfuss. You haven't heard of that impossible thing? Richard Dreyfuss thinks the shark is named Jaws, by the way. Anyway, um, 500 kilograms away at that measurement of distance, Commander Krug, uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, orders his ship to decloak and attack. In that order. Now, he might think that Commander Krug is a ridiculous name, but Paul Weimer, the commander of the Messiah, is named Spurgeon Tanner. You cannot top that. No Romulan or Klingon or whatever can have a goofier name. I'm telling Maybe that's his rank, though. <laughs> Spurgeon. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, wait. So the distance that he's ref- that he's citing as his third favorite is the decreasing distance between the ships. Frankly, I was hoping I was going to find out. I was going to. I was hoping we would find out whether the Federation was metric or imperial. And I'm disappointed mm. that instead we only found out about Romulans. Right. And isn't yeah, it's isn't pretty white. The, uh, the Borg Queen, played by somebody named Allison Krieg, or Alice Krieg. It's Alice, not Allison. Yeah. Absolutely. Allison, all right. All right. Alice. She's, she's awesome. Yeah, she's great. All right, so Paul Weimer's number two in Flash Gordon. Ah, I'm I like where this is going. Yeah. As they are, as they are flying to Arborea, uh-huh. Flash, Sam yeah. J. Jones, mm-hmm. asks Aura, Oh, my God. Muti, Ornella, Ornella Muti. Okay. Kelly Wand is chittering at her name. I can't I say like I blame her. him. Yeah, no, she I, she's, up to her name. she's way way better than the the supposedly hot chick. I used to have a cat who would sit on the windowsill and do that when birds were flying by. It's the oh, same effect. I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, I know what their birds mean. So Ornella Muti, how oh. far do we have to go? She responds with a measurement unit value neutral six point four, and then adds. <laughs> I'll That's drop hot. the flats a little. Ooh, hello. <laughs> well, getting back to that distance. Huh? So, uh. 6.5. All right, Paul Weimer's number one. Uh. Early in Prometheus. Uh. All right. Well, there goes that perfect streak. <laughs> Quality there, films. There, there is an on-screen announcement of how far... The eponymous ship is from Earth. Three point two seven. Remember that. <laughs> it's a ship that blows up for no reason, too. It doesn't do anything. I don't even know how to read this number. Three point two seven asterisk ten carat fourteen km. I don't know how to read that. Just make Lord. it pi, since it's a Greek ship. Right, pi. Uh, this translates to about thirty-four light years which is far more plausible than half a billion miles that Meredith Vickers, Charlize Theron, comments she is from Earth later in the movie. A rare case of scientific sense in the movie. Thanks, Damon Lindelof. Yeah. (laughs) Disregards Paul Weimer. Such a different character. (laughs) Next we have Keith... Is Keith Leith? Yeah, Keith Leith. All right. Uh, I apologize for my shoddy effort in last week's 3x3. It was due in part to hailing from the UK. Uh, the oh, he's, most... he's blaming his Britishness on something? 
Well, he says the most successful British sitcom is Only Fools and Horses. What? what? Wow! Yeah. I never. Okay. Which one, one of the most one of the most noted scenes in that show involves a falling chandelier. Oh, I forgot we had to do chandeliers yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's okay. right. He he says a lot about that, so we'll just deal with that another time. So Keith Leith, I'm gonna go right to your picks. Keith Leith's third pick, more a measurement not made in Sunshine. Benedict Wong's tray makes a complex adjustment to the trajectory oh. of the Icarus II, but fails to account for the 1.1 degree change in shield aspect. Trey's Jesus. emotional confession might appear too hammy and overblown. If one fails no. to appreciate the stakes, everything that is, was, and will be, probably a better candidate for worst measurement, if I'm honest. No, that's a great pick because it, yeah. it, I was trying to think of bits in Sunshine, but I assumed it was all going to be distance. But I forgot about that Benedict Wong bit, and he ends up killing – well, spoiler – like he ends up committing suicide over it. It's huge, right. Um, right? and it's their undoing basically. Um, that's a great no. pick because yeah. Benedict Wong, he's also – like he, it didn't keep him from getting work as a celestial navigator. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> No, uh, Keith, uh, Keith, you shouldn't – when we say favorite, it doesn't mean best or worst. It just means memorable. It just means – or it just means what you like the most, and that's uh, a great pick. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be very different if you were uh, a crew member on that ship. It would not be your favorite measurement. Yeah, probably. But if you're the sun, you'd go, yep. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the sun. Or if you were – if you were uh, – That's how the Mark, sun talks. If you're if Mark Strong. the sun was just to go to sleep. <laughs> if you're Mark Strong, what? Because he's the bad guy, and he's the guy covered in latex who fights them at the end. Oh, right. Dust. It's all human skin. Very good. He taught me that. Keith's number second pick, Lord Bullingdon, is directed to take his ground. Ten paces are then measured to the ground to be taken by Redmond Barry. The duel near the end of Barry Lyndon. Ah, spoiler. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to watch. Thought, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna listen to this part. Go ahead and finish. Up. I'm gonna mute you guys and not listen. It's ten seconds shy of nine minutes from pistol loading to the final shot, and every uh, second is required to appreciate the personal journey. Sorry. I'm not gonna, Sorry. Are you guys come, done? Sorry. Come on back. Yeah. Okay. This is Tom's review of listener submissions. I love. I love what. I love what Keith has written, but uh, out of respect to people who have not seen Barry Lyndon, which I think came out like two months ago well i have um, to, but i do a patreon thing where people can suggest that i review things and i have to write i have to rewatch and review barry linden i've uh, seen barry linden since i was a kid uh so it's it's something that i need to watch and intend to watch shortly and i don't remember anything about it except you know everybody knows hey a scene was shot by candlelight so follow up to 2001 he's ah, spoiling back. it you're spoiling it for me now that's I know a that. yeah yeah when 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 the movie existed yeah when he made it what year it is okay yep. <laughs> Sorry, Keith, Keith, Spoiler. Keith Leith, to your credit, I like your name way better than Spurgeon Tanner. Yours is way more. It's fun to say Spurgeon Tanner, but Keith Leith, way more fun to say. What about Cipher? Cipher's no fun to say. You know, I don't even know how is it spelled. How does she With spell Cipher? Like C I C I P H E R. I think. Yeah, it's dumb. It should be something That's, like. It should be something spell- with like numbers and like leet spelling. Yeah. It should be an ellipsis. <laughs> it's no Barton. And, and her so. name's ellipsis. <laughs> it's no Barton Fink. What? <laughs> Woo! Okay. 
thing. How much he, would you guys pay for uh, tapes to learn the Russian language by Tyrese Gibson? Oh, <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, that was such a great moment. <laughs> guy's genius. <laughs> Boy, he guess, got in trouble this week. Oh, my God. he got. Tyrese did? For what? Yeah. What did he do? He did this interview where he just said a bunch of things that were pretty misogynistic, and then he had to apologize right and left. Was really? It just like, I didn't even notice. It's like bitches this, bitches that kind of stuff? Uh, well, it was more like um, uh, there's so many women who are uh, sluts and whores and whatnot who are like just waiting around to be with a man and just <laughs> partying. And uh, He's complaining. <laughs> I don't know the misogyny yet. And then Very. he says, and then yeah. he's like, I'm so sorry. My mom raised me better. I didn't mean to say any of that. That's I not meant what I to meant. Say, um, is he talking about his mom? No, he's not talking about his mom. Oh. He just got in trouble this week. Because I, I, I was tweeting a bunch of quotes from the Fast and Furious movies based on which character was which. And I was going to tweet some of his stuff because his stuff is hilarious. I mean, good lord, he says the funniest stuff in these movies, and I, I mean, he and he does it so well. And I was trying to figure out a clever like hashtag for him, and I just like <laughs> typed in his name, and I was like, uh oh. <laughs> I don't he expect it from my Tyrese to care that he said that. <laughs> he does care, but the thing is, he does care. No, he, I don't. He, he really tripped over himself, but. Uh, but uh, it's Tyrese. What do you want? Uh, you know, if you're gonna do that, it's a great week to do it. What was Sean Spicer's Hitler bit? Yeah, you're going to get – I didn't even know about it. Yeah, me either. That's the thing. Right. I was too yeah, busy reading about Spicer. Man. I did like seeing some some like Onion headline that was like, Sean Spicer needs to get a – is getting a press secretary to deal with the things that he's saying that <laughs> – anyway, anyway, so Keith Leith's number – Keith Leith's Keith – Leith, oh, man, it's hard to say that. I think it's just call him, pick, call him Spurgeon Tanner. If you need to. Spurgeon Tanner's number one. Oh, God. Just before Nick is introduced to his new comrades in Ducroix, Chevalier Montage, Detente, Avant-Garde, Deja Vu, Cabinet de Before Monsieur, Croissant, Souffle, Escargot, Chocolat Mousse, his new love oh, hey, hey, Rises from below the shirtless waist for no adequately explained reason, loincloth clad resistance leader Nigel. Her look of tantalized alarm is explained by the measurement she has taken it being in double figures in Imperial units. This occurs in the middle of the film after Nick Rivers has used a chandelier to break his fall uh. in a song and dance number in a ballroom, but before he dodges a chandelier that Nigel drops with a pistol shot in an underwater Wild West saloon fight in amongst the falling light fixtures, a few jokes. The goal should always be to find something that fits every three by three at the same time. I don't even know what movie we're talking about. It's got to be. Secret. Is, oh, I is thought it was Robin Hood. Okay. I was hoping it was oh, Top Secret. Yeah. And Nigel, that's the blonde guy. Yeah. All right. He just doesn't. Uh, Keith, just I'm here. put I'm here. the movie, please. Um, what? If you know it, it's fine. Right? I know it. You know it, oh. but if he we doesn't actually put the name of the movie, you get stumped. And I'm reading this cold. I thought uh, you were 
very, very temperature. A couple of I, I thought you read it very temperature. <laughs> He's got comedy runners up, um, and sleeper, but I'm not going to read runners up. Sorry. Thank you, Keith Lee. That was awesome. All right, Arthur, Jovan and Jelly. I will stay away from anime for white people this week. <laughs> Meaning, I will not mention that Harry Potter wand measures in at 11 inches long. We just mentioned it, Arthur. Alright, Arthur's Blasted. number three is a movie called Armageddon. Oh, yes! Nice! The world... Oh. Did you stand uh. up, Tom? I did, definitely, yeah. Uh, the world's best core drillers need to drill down 800 feet so they can plant the bomb that blows up the Texas-sized asteroid. Getting there That's takes some Texas effort. Is. And... <laughs> Real quick, did he call them the world's best core drillers? Yeah, he did. They're, they're the best not deep, deep core. core drillers. Yeah, yeah. The Arthur Jen Vanilla Jelly, go rewatch it. It's deep core drillers. Totally different. They poured it over from the core. Uh, and many lost life. But that makes for a big relief when they announce they have hit the goal. All right, so his choice is 800 feet, Tom. Well, if he really, I mean, I think he was worried he was going to get arrested. The size of Texas might not have. I'm sure that's what he was thinking of, but instead he just had a fallback from Armageddon. Isn't Probably Texas there. as big as the whole Earth, since if you go down, it's just all one big landmass? No. Okay, cool. Texas doesn't have a size. It's, you know, it's like the circumference of the Earth. Right. It's a breadth. I right. just read you guys down to the last square foot the size of Texas. It does have a size. No, it changes because the Earth is constantly changing, Tom. No, it's not. What? Well, it yeah, is, but not, not to that degree. Haha. Uh-huh. You just admitted it. Arthur's <laughs> number two, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Because I, I was uh. thinking, I was looking at my movies thinking, oh, is there something I could take from that? Can't wait to hear what this is. When Robert Ford is listing the many traits that he and Jesse James share, he oh. states that they both measure out at the same height. Five nice. feet. That's an aw- that's such an awesome scene too. That's one of my that in the dinner table that, that that dinner table bit. That's one of my now is it the dinner table bit or is it where they're sitting out smoking the cigars? No, I think it's at the dinner table. Yeah, that dinner table. He, bit is he so kind of gets shamed into saying it. Right, and he right. He talks about like the number of letters in their name. You know what, you guys? I, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna have to leave. I gotta go watch that movie for a little bit. So you guys, can you finish the podcast for me? Yeah, we'll we'll have you back in three hours. Yeah, that's an awesome pick. I'm I already going. When Charlie, have you even seen this movie, Kelly Wand? What? <laughs> There's no uh, way he he has. Otherwise, he's in big. No. He, yeah. Yeah. Which no, movie? He, he's never seen this. Are you serious? That's not true. I don't I think, think he's seen oh, it. No, I haven't seen it. Assassination of Casey Affleck. Yeah. He hasn't Wait a minute. It. He? Are you serious, Kelly Wand? Uh, yeah. He, I Dingus, feel like I've, I've seen it just from your three by three choice. Dingus, you've he, known this about him all along. I'm a gat. Kelly Wong, this is a this is terrible news. I know how he it ends. See was, movies with with characters' names that are two different characters. Yeah. I don't see movies that tell me what the movie's about. I don't. I don't know that I can be friends with you <laughs> much longer, Kelly Wong. Well, it's I'm already over the hump. <laughs> be dead soon, anyway. May as well just tough it out. So Arthur goes on to say, I love the scene when Charlie gets him to recite the similarities. And while the height is just one of the many items that Bob lists, 
It always stands out when I rewatch this movie. Anyway, I hope this is not cheating. Height is a measurement after all. Of course it's not cheating, Arthur. Mm-hmm. It generates trick. a number, as Vin Diesel explains. I, uh, However, I, I need to change all three of my picks, by the way. <laughs> Arthur's number one pick is Ghost Rider. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. With a D? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. God. Ghost Rider with a D or the Roman Polanski thing? Ghost Rider. Duh. Okay. What do you think is the what do you think is the measurement he's going to choose? I knew it's God. I don't remember any measurements. Kelly Wan, you you this is Crank guys, isn't it? Who did Ghost Rider? Yeah, the Nelvidians. Did you guys see Ghost Rider? Yeah, yeah. What does he have to jump? At, what does he have to jump at the end? <laughs> Eva Mendez. Is to jump a football field. Uh, uh, Nick Cage is going to do a stunt bike jump across the length of a football field from one set of uprights to the other. The movie, this is so great. I love this, Arthur. The, the movie repeatedly says the jump will be 300 feet, which is 100 yards. What's notable about this measurement is that it is completely wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I know this one. How is that wrong? It's totally wrong because the length of the uh, – I'll just I'll read what Arthur writes. Um, on a regulation football field, goal line to goal line is 300 feet, but each set of uprights is located 30 feet behind the goal line. I don't even Meaning, know what he's saying. What The 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 little fork thing that you – The flagpole? The, the fork you thing kick that the you – kick the ball thing? You kick the, the ball through the fork thing. Yeah, the, uh-huh. the, the flagpole on the, on the, on the uh, ship that is the football ship um, is – 30 feet back from the actual goal line and the, it's goal line to goal line is 300 feet. So That's the end zone, right. end zone is 300 feet. I mean, not 300 feet is 30 feet. So uh, to go oh. on with, so, you, so if you, it used to be that you would have to run around uh, the uprights and I people see. could run into them and, and hit them. But so now they they're in the them back. back. They, they do that. Them. They do that forward bendy thing now. The base of it does, right? Where it reaches forward and then does the fork bits. Yeah, kind of. Right. I can visualize this. I've seen it's like a chopstick. So uh, what uh, Arthur says is meaning upright to upright is actually 360 feet. This quote-unquote measurement is indicative Circle. of how stupid and terrible this movie is. They are so dumb, they aren't giving their character full credit for his stunt and too <laughs> careless to bother checking these kinds of things. I can't believe there wasn't one football fan on the set to speak up and tell them they had the wrong numbers. That's a great one, Arthur. I mean, 300 is such an obvious easy number, and it's clearly goal line to goal line. So if he's doing that jump from upright to upright, it's... Well, it sounds like the problem is they're trying to get fancy saying upright to upright. Everybody knows yeah. the size of the football field. Right. They, they just tried to add in a little technical talk and didn't know enough. Jennifer Connelly does upright to upright and uh, Requiem for a Dream. Wow. Okay. All right. Next we have D. Win Danny M. <laughs> from an undisclosed location in the third floor building somewhere in Maryland, probably. Hello, uh-huh. friends. Discounting the infinite circumferences of planet Melancholia. Thank you, by Hi. the way. That's true uh, yeah. of most planets. Most planets do have an infinite number of circumferences. It's upright uh, to upright with chandeliers. <laughs> <laughs> I only have one en- entry this time, and I'm sure it's already been used. Here's a quote. This is the old way. It means six kadams high. 
<laughs> this, of course, is the dialogue of what the script identified as old man when translating the headpiece of the staff of Ra and Rangers of the Lost Ark. Exactly. As Andy, Dwayne Johnson. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne, that's the rundown. Delights at the news and is ready to leave. The old man translates the other side of the headpiece, which instructs that they take back one Kadam to honor the Hebrew god whose ark this is. All right, I thought it was two Kadam, but Dwayne has corrected me to say it's one Kadam. Since the Nazis only have the markings from one side, Indy, Dwayne Johnson are right. <laughs> He's a that time speaking of headpieces. And Sala, uh, John Rice Davies, uh, both conclude that they're digging in the wrong place. Sala begins singing from HS, uh, HMS Pinafore, but saves Indy. Dwayne Johnson, rule of three, you win this one, D, um, from eating the poison dates. Thanks and best and let cheeserine. Thank John, you, D. John Rice Davies' character name in, is Inshallah? It's Sala. Oh it, wait, are you saying insala? No, it's just sala. Oh, oh, okay. But he is insular by nature. Also, Dwayne Johnson auditioned to play the monkey in Raiders, you. but um, he really likes dates, so they didn't use him. Also, he had diarrhea, so he ran out before the monkey could kill him. All right, so next we have Chris Webb. Ah, my favorite measurement in a movie. Okay. I don't know if I I don't know if I want to read Chris Webb's emails. He wow. He just tries to grief me, but I'm gonna do it. I've you got could, one you job could, on this ship. Thing is, you could really job. stick it to him by just summarizing. I'm not good at that on the fly. I'm trying to predict how he's doing it. How do you uh, this on measurements? Chris well, Webb. Bring up I don't know. Bring up Rushmore or Midnight Run. Passion of the Christ. Ah, Passion of the Christ is a good one. He doesn't like that one. Or just make fun of my name like Chris Pratt did. Everybody right, wants Chris some. Webb. My favorite measurement in the movie is from Dazed and Confused when Carl tells his friend at the party tonight, I heard there's going to be a girl with knockers this big. <laughs> That's a measurement. What? Yeah. As he I mean, knocked. measurements, when you use the word measurements, one of the things that's evoked is a woman's like bust, waist, and hips. They call so, measurements. Yeah, exactly. So this is just one third of the accepted definition of measurements. Dingus, not everything's about you, right? Sometimes we're trolling women. Well, I would have used Dave then because there's this great moment where he's visiting an auto factory and he's doing one of these. He says, I caught a fish this big, and he's doing this. Uh, anyway. The one where Eddie Murphy's a spaceship? Yep. Anyway, so Chris says, as he non-faked physical gestures to indicate knockers nice. that are roughly sized halfway between Kate Upton's and an anime girl's, the friend <laughs> responds with, bullshit. Hmm. Carl then reveals the measurement when he responds with, promise, two handfuls. Ah, uh, right. So my favorite movie measurement no. is two handfuls, although I can't remember what mathematical principles are involved here. So I knock on Dingus's door and asks him, how's your bra? He says, <laughs> oh, about half a handful. Mom's uh, voice shouts from the background, no, it's geometry. You know, a lot of... A lot of breasts have infinite circumferences as well. All of them. Yeah. Do. Yeah. 
Not a lot of them. All of them. Well, not all of them. It could be some dingus that are a perfect sphere. We don't know. I mean, as a... Altogether. Breaths are like Texas. They're also attached to something bigger. So, like, how deep does it go? <laughs> Dingus, yeah. quick, read another listener submission. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to go depths. with your number four, Tom. All right. Two feet from the left edge of the wall. Now, I'm kind of cheating. This is one of the reasons I couldn't pick this one. Uh, you don't actually see the, – the editing makes it unclear, but I'm pretty sure it is two feet as measured with a little foot-long plastic ruler. And on this plastic ruler, there are dinosaurs, and it's one of those things. It's a little two-frame animation where the angle that you hold it at makes it look like the dinosaurs are moving. And the picture that is hung two feet from the left edge of this wall is of – it's a little four-year-old girl, Jew. It's like a red cow kind of thing. Does anybody know? And the person who hangs it, while he's hanging it, he's saying, I know you know I was in the hospital. It's not what defines me. Uh, Birdman. And he's hanging a painting. He's hanging this framed picture from this four-year-old little girl, and he's a carpenter. And this is one of two moments in the movie, and it's the very last scene in the movie where he's kind of establishing and enjoying and appreciating his worth. He's actually doing something with a craft that he knows. Previously in the movie, he has built a doghouse as well. Uh, Hesher. Really, you guys? Really? Boy, I don't know. Yeah. And he's in, a, he's in a girl's apartment. Uh, she has just had an abortion, and she has just given him a present, which is a, a little puppet of a devil. <sighs> oh, I'm so disappointed in you guys. Have I seen this movie? <laughs> yes. He has just exfiltrated a vehicle with Brie Larson and Juno Temple. They were trying. Oh. They were going to Australia, and he oh. leaps out of the car. Greenberg. He says, I have to pick up someone from the hospital. Yeah, so at the very end when he's in, in her apartment with her and she says, you know, I got my niece's – because they'd referenced this earlier in the movie. I got my niece's picture framed. He says, do you, do you have a tape measure? And she's like, no, but I think there's a ruler over there. And he says, do you have a hammer? And she says, there's one over there. And he, while saying this thing about, you know, I know you know I was in the hospital. It's not what defines me. He's talking about his mental illness. He's doing it while he's focusing on measuring with this ruler. And no, uh, 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 Noah Baumbach shows us a little inset view as he picks up the ruler of this cute little dinosaur landscape with the two-frame animation. And he's just measuring very precisely along the vertical edge of another poster that she has hanging and then along the horizontal edge from the wall and he's got a pencil like a carpenter would have and he's marking the wall and he hammers the nail in and he hangs the picture up there uh and then they go to listen to the message that he left her and that's the end of the movie now this is you yeah exactly yeah that's a really I, great pick. I like that. Yeah, I just haven't thought about Greenberg in so long. It's Why wouldn't so you think about Greenberg in so long? Why wouldn't you? No, it's a lot of movies between then and now. It's only like what five, six years ago. Remember when we saw while while we're young or whatever it was. Called? No, I don't. Yeah. I no, I don't. Want it. I certainly don't remember that that what was that screwball comedy thing? Oh, Mr. I certainly don't remember when we saw Mistress America. Don't remember that one little bit. I haven't seen that. You're lucky. It's not a bad movie. That's not Uh-oh. terrible. Mistress America? Not terrible. All right, all right, if you say so. I mean, it's no Francis, huh? Oh, yeah, I saw Blue Jay. The fight scene in Francis, Francis Ha. Did you see the one Dingus likes or the one that I saw? Uh, the Dingus one. Oh, all right, okay. All right, here's a... I've got, uh, I've got a runner-up. 
Let me see. I, I can't believe nobody picked this. Um, can I, can I guess? Is it 12 parsecs? Nope. Okay. Uh, this is, is this is. Go ahead. What? Is it him counting his hands at the end of the Empire Strikes Back? Yeah, it's him counting it's his hands because that's a measurement, the number of hands. Count the number of POs. Mm-hmm. CPO. Now this is from a real movie. Can can I give you guys a quote now? No, you guys have guessed this ridiculous stuff. Kelly Wan, we were wrong. I guess it's a different Star Wars movie. <laughs> Give us a quote, Dingus. We'll get it once you give us the quote. Here you go. They're not much bigger than two meters. Oh, womp rats. (laughs) Very good. Uh, What? Dingus, Dingus, how do you spell the name womp rat? How do you spell womp? T-A-U-N-T-A-U-N. Do you really not know? It's womp. W-A-M-P. Okay. I thought you were going to think like W-H-O-M-P. I was going to get you on that. I thought he was going to do C-3PO telling him the odds of things. Not a measurement. Uh, I guess it could be. He's measuring they, they, the odds. He says two meters. Two meters. But it's not precise. It's – it's. Uh, it, they're not much bigger than two hey, meters. Hey, wait a That's minute. not precise. So they, they, use, me- they use metric in Star Wars. But not they, don't, they don't use like weird – and there are no numbers that appear. But they don't use – there are no Arabic numerals. They don't use weird little uh, science fiction measurements like the Romulans. Right. They get out and push, too. I don't know They're, how I feel about that. Stars are just like us. Uh, here's one. Star that, Wars, too. So the measurement is 1.3 miles, and it is the difference between little uh, an odometer that reads 216.7 and a, and a number written in ch- white chalk, 218 above the odometer. Does that ring any bells? It's kind of a weird one. I think only Kelly would get it. If, if Back that. to the Future? No, it's uh, it's when the the truck stalls at the end of Sorcerer. Uh, oh yeah. He, uh, you know the the his his buddies just died. He got shot by the the the, the terrorists or the rebels. Uh, and he the the he's taken the body out of the truck and the truck sort of stalls and he's trying to start it up again and it just the the choke breaks and it just it won't start the truck's made it as far as it's going to make and he looks down and sees where they wrote the distance 218 and he sees it from the odometer it's only another 1.3 miles uh Mm -hmm. and then he and then it cuts to this great scene that friedkin shoots of roy scheider coming out of the darkness carrying in his hands the crate of nitroglycerin which is great because he was walking towards the camera and he comes out of the darkness he's very well lit and the camera turns around with him and you see the pillar of flame from the blown out oil well but rewatching it i'm thinking this is completely undoing the stakes that they have set earlier in the movie about how unstable the nitroglycerin is because he's right. like swaying and he's almost fainting and he's he's like sloshing the nitroglycerin around in there it should have blown him up so i'm very unhappy with that scene but anyway the measurement was 1.3 miles i actually went and looked that up do you remember the odometer in ferris bueller Oh, I don't. But they do a thing where they're trying to like wind it back, like camera. Right. Yeah, like they're trying to do some odometer trickery. How does it go, Dingus? Well, they take the they take his father. I think it's an old Ferrari into the city, um, and then the guys who are the valets just drive it all over town and just run the odometer way up. And then Cameron decides, well, if we put the car up on blocks and just put it in reverse, I'm oh. sure the odometer will go backwards. <laughs> Because his father is would be obsessed 
is obsessive enough to know exactly what the odometer should read. Oh, Alan Ruck. Yep. <laughs> he was in a Star Wars movie. I mean, a Star Trek movie. <gasps> Which... That was a sheer drop-off. <laughs> <laughs> he was excited for a second. Uh, then what's... he started sobbing. What's the reveal at the en- at the end of Inside Man, where they realizes that the that uh, they realize that uh, the fake room was built into the the bank? Bank the, ball, yeah. Was there? Well, was, and Clive Owen's been talking to you from inside the ball all this time, going, yeah, "Guess where right. I am." But do oh. they do they reveal that by knowing something about a measurement from from, from the size of the room? I didn't get they a don't, check. Oh out. yeah, yeah. But that I happens in, that happens in Panic Room at the beginning. Oh, or yeah, she's yeah. looking at the house and she's like, this room is wrong. And then the realtor, I think, says, you're the first person that caught it. Not None of our agents did. Exactly, because that's the kind of thing I was thinking of, Dingus. And I was wondering if Inside Room does that. But, yeah, you're right, Panic Room, like where you, where they know that there's something off about the dimensions of a room and it reveals some, some little secret compartment. Yeah, very good. Right, right, yeah. I don't remember that from Inside Man, though. <laughs> they may not do it, but you do find out that he's in the little – I was just wondering if at some point there's something about – uh, yeah, I will. Okay, are you guys ready for next week's 3x3, three three, or are there more runner-ups? I'm ready. I'm All ready. Right. This is, I'm going to read you guys a Wikipedia definition, <clears throat> so that there is no misunderstanding about what this means. However, Erection. I, 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 Kelly Wan, how do you know? <laughs> uh, I sort of had a revelation during <laughs> Kelly Wan's chandelier thing, in that a 3x3 three three doesn't have to have a whole bunch of different possibilities we can just talk about something where there aren't many of them and as long as they're great examples that's fine so this is one of these examples where it's pretty specific there's a fair number of them but we're probably going to be talking about the same eh, maybe six eight movies and that's okay so send in your picks for that i'm okay with that that's that's clearly going to happen i'm going to read you the definition from wikipedia of a mexican standoff uh-oh. So a Mex- and, and I was thinking about this because of uh, the fate of the Furious. Is there's that Mexican standoff where let's see how's it work? Uh, uh, Christoph Hirschuv, the guy, the red, the Viking beard guy, has a gun on Michelle Rodriguez, and she's holding the nuclear codes. And then Dom puts the gun on the Viking guy, and it's like a Mexican standoff. And what Wikipedia defines this as is a confrontation between two or more parties in which no participant can proceed or retreat without being exposed to danger. So as a result, all participants need to maintain the strategic tension, which remains unresolved until some outside event makes it possible to resolve it. Now, you don't have to hmm. go by every single one of those bits, but I don't want you to tell me about two Mexicans standing next to each other as your Mexican standoff. Don't like – don't – the opening shot – the opening of Desierto or something. I don't want to hear that. Uh, you clearly now know what I'm talking about. There are some great cinematic examples of this. We'll be talking about those next week. Dingus, Kelly Wand, I want you guys to pick your three favorites. And listeners, if you have some favorite Mexican standoffs, send those in to 3x3 at quarter3.com, and we'd love to include your choices as well. Can I ask a question? You can. Yes, Kelly Wand can, but Dingus, you can. Uh, is there a country named Mexico on the planet Melancholia? No, that's not something that Lars von Trier's answers in the movie, but it's worth exploring, Dingus. Maybe you should watch the movie again instead of watching eight Fast and Furious movies in one week. Just a suggestion, just something to think about, you know. Get a little Lars von Trier in your diet, Dingus. It's good for everyone. (laughs) Little Lars. 
Uh, also, speaking of uh, diversifying your diet, thing is, how do you feel about a, a little Ben Wheatley in your diet? Oh! <laughs> if you'd like your, your... <laughs> He's the guy who plays Q in the new James Bond movies, right? Uh, oh, Ben Wishaw, right. Oh, ben I Wish get them confused. Right. Uh, no, Ben Wheatley did one of Dingus's favorite movies, High Rise. Oh, I love that. Ooh. So uh, his new movie, Free Fire, is out next week. We are going to check that out and bring you a podcast of it. If you manage to see Free Fire, send us your thoughts. Let us know if you th- there's anything about it you'd like us to discuss. Also, to 3x3 at quarter to 3com in a separate email. Uh, and we'll be back then next week. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Merlovsky. It's Christian Merlovsky. And Kelly Wand. Number 11, that's a measurement. Woo! to see if you're confused. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! I, this, I can do... What, what's my line? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You need to work on your delivery. Ugh. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Oh!